Welcome to The Save Room, your safe haven for gaming news and discussion. As always, I'm Kevin. And I'm Daniel. And this is episode six. A very belated episode, and uh, that's mostly Daniel's fault. Mostly. I mean, I might have left for two weeks. That also didn't help. And there's something about a hurricane. But I was kind of dragging ass in the past week or so that you've been here, so... Uh, yes. <laughs> dragging ass against the carpet. Yeah. No, so I went to, um, first I went to the great city of San Diego uh, for TwitchCon. Remember that one? I do remember that one. I don't, I don't know too much about it um, because I don't really follow convention circuits that closely via, like, except what you tell me, obviously. That's okay. There's a lot of them. Yeah, there's, there's too many. There's a Comic-Con for every flavor or mood, yeah. essentially. So I'm imagining this one uh, is centered around like Twitch culture, right? You would be mostly Streaming. correct. Boom. No, you're 100% correct. It's about streamers, influencers, uh, broadcasters. It's the second year running. They moved it from San Francisco to San Diego. And uh, it's a cool show. It is. Um, they, you know, it's not one. It's not like most Comic-Cons or this or that where it's a giant flea market, essentially. It's not that. Like, yeah. uh, there's more exhibits. Uh, Naughty there's Dog. panels, at least? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. There's panels. There's workshops. There's people like you. You can learn how to be a better streamer there or focus on your equipment. I know Yeti had a booth there. We are using a Yeti mic, so if you guys want to shoot us a free pop filter, feel fucking free. Um, and then, you know... Uh, Game Studios are there. Naughty Dog was there. They're talking about this kind of streamer program going on there. Uh, Who else? Uh, Microsoft was there. Uh, People kept them coming up to our booth. Uh, I work at Glitch. We sell t-shirts. There you go. That's that's the the long and short of it. And they would come up and be like, do you have any uh, streamer programs? Any kind of like, and they were talking about like, you know, us doing like a plug on their, on their channel. That's cool. Where they would get like, you know, a percentage or, or however we work it out. Uh, if they sponsor us on their channel, they get some sort of cut of direct sales. Or I don't know how it works. We're not set up for it, obviously. No. <laughs> you know, We're not set up for much. We're not there yet. Okay, but we'll get there in the grand future. But I kept on telling people, like, yeah, email us in the future. We've done sponsorship programs. There you go. Boom. That was the first week. That one kind of went by a blur for mm-hmm. me uh, because it literally was like three weeks ago at this point. Yeah. And that was the easy show compared to New York Comic Con. We flew straight in. But. What did you do before you flew straight in? Oh my god, I forgot. Yes, because this is something that I'm so envious of. He is, and I I fucking just skim right over it. Uh, Before, we, okay, we drove to LA uh, on the Monday, the Monday after TwitchCon, and we went to Blizzard. We visited Blizzard. Blizzard, pretty big place, too. Like, they got a bunch of campuses, essentially. Hmm. Uh, Like, on, like, two sides of a street, and it's not totally them. Like, they they sublet with, like, some other companies there. Like, I'm, I'm sure Blizzard just wants to fucking swallow them up. <laughs> you know, be like, come on, this is all Blizzard. But, you know, I think there's like a sandwich shop that they allow on premises. We're like, that's cool. That's cool. You got to feed the workers. Absolutely. Um, I did sign an NDA. I can't talk about much, but, you know, to be fair, I really didn't see, like, I didn't see the inner workings of what yeah. shit was going. They didn't walk me in and see, like, fucking storyboards for next big whatever. Like, but no, no, but no. you did get a tour. So yeah, we got like... a tour. We got a tour. We went through a few of the uh, the houses that we were approved to walk through. Mm-hmm. Um we went to the, the the studio or, I guess, campus where Overwatch was made and where they maintain it. I have some big old statues out front. I think I put some of those pictures up on saw, my Twitter. Yeah, I saw the one of uh, yeah. Tracer that was really rad. Right, which apparently they told us, and I, <laughs> I won't name names because I didn't find out names, but someone who was on a different tour group uh, fell into that statue. Like, they had to, like, get it repaired or something because really? they just fucking just decked over it. Why couldn't she just recall God damn you. <laughs> this, I'm glad you weren't there. 
And uh, I did, however, for you, baby boy, hmm. I did utter the word heel slut yes. out loud in the Blizzard offices. Uh, I wasn't slapped down immediately. No one heard What did they think about it? Who? What did they think about it? They? There's no they. <laughs> there's no one to hear me. Like, there's no, like, someone at a cubicle. Fucker! <laughs> like, nothing happened. But it was cool. Uh, we have a friend out there. Uh, that works in the marketing uh, department, or I think uh, more so the point merchandising. Um, I'm sorry, I don't know your job, if you're listening to this. <laughs> He's listening. He's our one fan. I'm only one blue moon in, and I don't know. Uh, but that was a cool cool place uh, uh, you know, to check out the inner workings and whatnot. Cool. Uh, we did go from there. We took a fucking red eye mm-hmm. all the way to New York City, coast to coast. Was Cillian Murphy there? He, not this time. Uh, <laughs> not this time. You know, what's funny is I do run into people on planes where I've seen, um, what's his fucking face? Frodo. Frodo. God. Elijah Wood? I saw Elijah Wood. I've bumped into Elijah Wood more than once in my life. And the first time was embarrassing. The second time he was just kind of eyeballing me. We we don't know each other. (laughs) Like, let me say that. But the first time I saw him in New York, funny enough, the first year I did that, uh, we were walking by and some kid that was in our group. Like he saw him on like some like some, on like on a stoop. We were in East Village, and literally walked by, turned around, and said to us, "Guys, did you see Harry Potter?" Fucking wanted to slap him down, and Elijah did hear that. He just looked, and he was like, "Motherfucker!" <laughs> like, All four feet of him, he just compacted anger. <laughs> oh yeah, it was rage, a little ball of muscle and rage. But went to New York Comic Con. That was I want to say it's cool, but it's actually one of the hardest shows we do. Yeah. Like as a vendor, it's fucking awful, dude. I'll, I'll, I'll put it out there. I just the Javits Center is not conducive to the work that we do yeah. <laughs> yeah like you know they got union like all tighten up around there i mean to the point where we're setting up our booth and like they're coming around going like can you do that are you allowed to do that and it's like dude we're putting up some shelves yeah but did you know did you did you okay do you have a that? permit for it yeah do you have a permit for it and shit? it's like yes <laughs> like we don't need like this is not heavy yeah. <laughs> we don't need union get, get away go scat <laughs> um but a few things happened there uh, one, Clark, uh, Clark Gregg walked by the booth dressed as Ghost Rider. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, he came by, he looked at her shirts, and he was just like, oh man, these shirts are dope. <laughs> and then, like, just whisked away, because he had, like, a fucking like, armada of, like, people that wanted autographs, or, like, you know, sign my tits, or some shit. Like, just coming after him, and he went into, like, this freight elevator, or this employee elevator in the back, but he came by, he was like, I'll be back! He never came back. Um, but it was cool seeing, I, was, I didn't know what to say, I was like, oh, hey, Check these out. Yeah. They're one for 20, two for 35. Right. Uh, that, that's all I could say. Why did I say that? And he was like, dope. And then fucking left. And he was dressed as Ghost Rider for some reason. Anyway, uh, the second thing that happened, I, uh, I've i been writing for a site, Daniel, called When Nerds Attack. I've heard of that. Dot com. Uh, they, Lindsay, the editor of the site, she met up with me and she had me go to a Square Enix presser mm-hmm. uh, so we can cover and preview some games. It was actually off-site. They had a booth on-site, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, you could line up and it takes fucking 12 days to even get into a single demo. But it was better for the presser, but it was weird because she was like, all right, we're going to go to the murder house. And I'm like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> like, what do you mean murder house? The Square Enix And she's like, house. when you see it, like, you just, you wouldn't expect, like, for anybody to be, like, showing video game demos there. And she was right. You go there and it's like basically, I don't know, like a chop shop underneath or something where they're, they're working on cars in some form or fashion. And you have to go, like, up these stairs, like, fucking six flights. And finally, like, you know, you're half expecting for it to be, like, uh, uh, Dexter's Hideaway Freight in, oh, you know, South Miami, where he's just got bodies fucking yeah. cooling. And, like, you walk in, and it's like, oh, no, it's really nice. They got a craft service. Table. It's ventilated. <laughs> yeah, they, they got people going, hello, who are you? 
doing? Like, you know, they got a marketing firm, like, hosting the demos and whatnot. Hmm. And, and you can have interviews with producers and all that. I was still a little shy. I only talked to you, uh, the producers in Deus Ex. I got a new DLC coming out, so did my job. Um, Lindsay checked out Deus Ex, because uh, I, sneaking in me is just like, you might as well break my fingers. That's, yeah. that's how well I play in a sneaking game. Uh, but I did get a chance to try two games out. Okay. One was uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider and PS4, specifically the Blood Ties expansion. The VR demo? Uh, yeah, it started at normal, and then we went to the VR. Hmm. And uh, Talk about that transition for me, like from going from regular gameplay to that. So you have regular gameplay like going on, just as you expect, Laura, 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 Laura. <laughs> we always get stuck. Yeah. Laura was uh, hopping around, you know, but it, it's it's people are comparing the demo, or not the demo, the game, to like... Uh, gone home because you're going around just searching okay. through files. You're in the old Croft Manor. You're trying to find your daddy's last will and testament, and uh, you're, it's more of exploratory, less gunfights, no supernatural, and definitely no platforming. Yeah, I didn't think so. And then halfway through the demo, the guy that was running it, Adrian, my boy, um, who I was just making, you know, making jokes with the whole time because I expect he's trying to be like super professional, and you know, I I get it. You know, I'm trying to be respectful as well. But I don't want to be super professional around these people because I'm just like we're playing video games. Like I hope you know that, <laughs> you know we're not we're not unveiling iPhones here. Um, so like when I was getting stuck in some shit, he'd be like, yeah, yeah, you want to go left and open up this, uh, you know, use this lever. I'd be like, yeah, I, I knew that. I was just testing you, Adrian. <laughs> and he fucking, you know, he cracked a smile. But nice. I, I think he was just thinking, I want to leave. I want to die. Because <laughs> I asked him, how many times have you seen this demo? He's like, 10. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that number came out quick. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but he strapped me up with PSVR. This is my first time using PSVR, Daniel. Okay. A little weird. Um, I imagine. Not glasses. Yeah. About it. yeah. Oh, yeah. Not glasses friendly. Uh, one of the most striking things, after I finally positioned correctly, like, you know, you, it's like having this huge, like, layout in front of you. Where mm-hmm. At first I felt like I was standing in front of a movie screen, but, like, then you can move your head around. And you're like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm in this to win this. And uh, one of the things that struck me first and foremost was how low the resolution is. I've heard it's lower resolution than the Vive and the, uh, what's Lucky Palmer's fucking uh, blood money come Oculus from? Rift. There we go. <laughs> I hear you saying it over and over. And, um, yeah, once you get over that, because I was just like, holy shit, we go from, like, me playing on a pretty HD uh, screen, and mm-hmm. the game apparently will be an HDR-compatible game, or at least a PlayStation Pro-compatible yeah. game, um, to it looked like a Wii game suddenly. I hear it's, like, horrendous for, like, a second person watching you play, where it's just like, ugh. Oh, yeah, I think Lindsay walked over and she was next to me, but, like, it's such a sensory-depriving, like, unit. Yeah. Like, a little bit of light was leaking underneath the rubber pad and mm. dude was like it's clean don't worry like i can still wipe it down if you want like yeah, it's fine fucking you know, I'll, I'll suck face i lived in squalor for six years this is fine <laughs> you're right like if you saw where i lived you would you would be like this is actually an improvement <laughs> somebody shitting this um is it comfortable at least can you adjust it it's not terrible it's okay. not like there's a little awkwardness to the weight here and there but it's still pretty nicely distributed okay. um but yeah play the demo it's not very dynamic show of the PlayStation VR's potential. Um, you're just walking around touching things. And the one thing that I hated, I think I, I told you about this before, which was they wouldn't allow free roaming on the sticks. Like, mm-hmm. essentially, the main game will have it. We can use the sticks and move uh, Laura around. Uh, it's all first person in this, by the way. It went from third to first person, mm-hmm. but obviously. Um, however, they the way that they had me move around was you hold on to the left trigger and it beams out this fucking, like, shadow image of Laura. Mm-hmm. And then you aim her using the uh, sensor bar, the light sensor on the DualShock. 
Because you always have to have a PlayStation camera yeah. hooked up to this shit. And that wasn't even, like, registering correctly. In fact, it took a while. Like, people had to come over and be like, how did you break this? <laughs> and they're like, what did you do? I'm just like, I'm not, I'm standing in the wrong position or something. I'm too tall. It doesn't, whatever. Uh, but finally, you know, and then you, you kind of guide her and then shoot her forward. And she automatically teleports to wherever you press the button on. Hmm. And it is just jarring. That's so like, weird. But they're trying to do it for the people that do have motion sickness when they play PS4. Because okay. it's like, when they start... When you can move your head independently versus uh, having to move your character with the sticks, like there's this this fucking disconnect that happens, mm-hmm. this dissonance that makes people instantly sick. I'm ra- I'm made of sterner stuff, okay? Like I don't I don't have that problem. I never got car sick. Never had problem boats. Uh, it, it it takes a lot to make me queasy, and usually it's like a lot of wings. And, yeah, or and looking into my room for too long. <laughs> I won't share a specific story about that one. <laughs> it involves some dropped condoms. <laughs> there, he's hiding his face. Don't be bashful now, my boy. <laughs> You're safe, at least. True. But yeah, so, you know, it was cool to use that for the first time. I was a little underwhelmed. I want to play a different game than that because it feels like a lot of devs are just testing the waters and making babies first steps well they're gonna play it safe for a while like it's gonna be right. walking sim after walking they're just sim. so afraid of making you sick that a lot of these games are underwhelming where i'm just like shit this is not interesting I'm, I'm literally fucking just searching cabinets when i'm tomb raider i should be raiding a tomb shooting at dinosaurs fucking punching sharks and i'm here reading notes yeah it's it's very underwhelming i think that the most intense experience we have right now available is um until dawn rush of blood I heard that was cool. Yeah. I heard that was cool. I heard Res Infinite's pretty fucking cool too. I think like as the months come out, like there are going to be a, li- a bit more intense ones coming to us. Uh, yeah, the the Battlefront VR one, uh, the Rogue. Yeah, the one. X-wing, the X-wing simulator, simulator and then yeah. um, Eagle Flight. I feel like those are going to be really intense. Eagle and- Flight, <laughs> <laughs> to the skies, you will die. But it's just like okay, so. Yeah. Minute walking things like that are making you sick. I couldn't imagine what flying at like 60 knots is going to do to you. Oh, yeah. I, one side said, uh, if you're wondering where our Drive Club VR uh, review is, um, no one here can play it without getting instantly sick. So when we can figure that out, we'll get you a review. <laughs> like, oh, my God. I can imagine. Uh, the other game I did get to play, Mr. Daniel, you might be specifically interested in. It is the... Uh, the next game you'll be buying, because you already picked up Rise of the Tomb Raider. I did. Like, you, you got a clean slate until this game <laughs> yeah. comes out, uh, which is Final Fantasy XV. It was a two-hour demo mm. where you, you go from the beginning to, I think, like, chapter three or whatnot. Okay. And I played an hour of it because I had to get back to, you know, my retail job and stuff, you know, this. <laughs> and, but I got, I got a good hour in it. And so far, I'm pretty goddamn impressed. At where it's going. Yeah, you seem like beaming over it. Oh yeah, especially versus the original demo that they released. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it the Sky demo or whatnot? Whichever came out with that shitty ass Type Zero game that we all were shoehorned into yes. buying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We that's like the number one traded game. Like like the F section at GameStop is just <laughs> covered in that fucking Type Zero game. We all just got it for the demo. Don't stop doing that. I hate that shit. Stop pairing demos with retail games, man. It's just a ploy. Um, but played it. Super impressed. It was. I like the feeling that they're going for, which is this is an open world game. You can pursue your own goals. We're not going to keep you in this linear tunnel and then open it up like Final Fantasy Thirteen. Yeah, it's like no. Which was one of the biggest problems with that game. And right. I think, like we said, I think they listened to a lot of the feedback they got from that. Right. And, and built the experience. What it does that. is it's actually one of the uh, it bolsters your way of learning how to play because mm-hmm. it's like okay yeah go on a uh, go on a monster hunt go ahead just you know. 
do it. You get some money, get some cash, whatever. Just go go adventure for a second. And then you get a feeling for, oh, this is how the open world traversal works, how I can move around. And then you get a feeling for, oh, I, I use campfires to cash in all my stats that I earn in a day. That's a cool idea. And then you heal your whole party, and then they have this little... You know, fucking interaction with each other, cooking so, each other meals. And so you think this is like Square Enix maybe taking a look at like Western developers and RPGs and really building a different experience for the JRPG? No, absolutely. Um, they they took a look at the mold for what Western has done, but it's still very Eastern. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, you kind of are reminded sure. of that in little ways, like especially with the the car mechanics in the game. You do get to use that car in the game, but you're actually locked onto roads. You can't off road it at any point, okay. which I think is going to be a little like you know. Frustrating disappointing, people, yeah. yeah. Frustrating, disappointing for some people. That it's shit. I wanted to fucking like you know ramp around, and uh, but instead you're kind of locked. You have uh, gas that depletes, and you're stuck. Like it's very just minimal controls. You can even have one of your your bros in your uh, K-pop band <laughs> take control of the wheel and just go like, yeah, here's the destination. Go there, and he'll get you as close as possible. And you have to fucking park the car and whatnot. Um, but otherwise, I was pretty impressed. It's looking good. It feels good. The combat's really good, actually. At least from what I've seen so far, I really enjoy the combat. Like, I was having fun just being like, um, yeah, you, whatever you got going on, I'm gonna go fucking beat up this crab monster. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go over here and wallop on him for a while, because it's actually pretty rewarding and fun to use it. And, you know, you have some moments, too, which, one thing that struck me, because things strike me a lot, buddy. <laughs> what I found interesting was... The dynamic between the characters, I thought it would be annoying, because it was annoying in the initial demo, because they were always like, Noctis! Noctis! Not, it was fucking stupid. In this one, they actually dial back the dialogue a little bit, but it still feels like they have some life to them. Mm-hmm. And unlike most of our Western open-world games, you didn't feel alone. Like, mm-hmm. you actually felt like, I'm in a crew, and we're doing one goal. Like, you know, we, I, I was walking up to a mission, and I was about to wallop on this, like, big monster causing some havoc around, like, little farms in the area. Okay. And one of my other dudes, the one's in glasses, I forget his fucking name, because he has this impossible fucking with O's and U's and vowels all over We, we know place. it's not Promptus, we know it's not Noctus. Yeah, it's not... We we'll call it Invictus. Invi- yeah, sure. <laughs> Vindication. <laughs> fucking came up. And he was like, Noctus, look, if you go up there, you can actually uh, have an advantage. Like, uh, you can use your warp skill to go on top of a tower mm. and then get the surprise. And I was like... Thanks, dude. That's actually helpful. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that is cool. They give you some advice. I like that they sidestepped the idea of doing a tutorial and kind of just integrating it via, you Th- know. There was a, a gameplay tutorial. It wasn't forced. It actually asked you, like, do you want to go through the tutorial first? I mean, the game kind of teaches you anyway. Okay. I was still getting prompts, but it was, yeah, I went through the tutorial at first. Like, you, you kind of train with one of the other dudes, the, the buffer guys, like, I'll fight with you, Noctis, and it, it was cool. But I'm actually pretty excited for that one. I, I want to see where it goes, especially since other open-world games this year, uh, Mafia 3, have been very disappointing. Mm-hmm. So I need a good open-world game yeah. again, man. Last year was The Witcher 3. We got a little bit of that in Far Cry, but that one went by so quick. It did. Primal? We burned through that. Yeah, we destroyed Primal like in like a week. We both platinum that shit. Yeah. I think it was pretty important. <laughs> so, Daniel, I heard while I was out gallivanting meeting celebrities... And playing video games. And making me sad and green with jealousy. Of course. You're green as shit right now. I am. You look like the Hulk. <laughs> Skinny Hulk. Uh, you were surviving against a hurricane. I was. How'd that go? The big M. Matthew. Um, it was weird, dude. Because <laughs> I, I feel like I was existing outside of like the media. And, the, and um, I think it was like on a Monday. I was in a Publix. And there was just like this widespread like pandemonium throughout the aisles you could feel something in the air um yeah. the shelves were just ravaged and i like stepped in the line like the person behind me has like 
what looks like three pallets of just like Zephyr Hills. I'm like, what's going on? They're like, oh, there's a hurricane coming. It's going to be yeah. like Category 4. Or at the time, I think it was only like prompting like a Category 3 or 2. It hadn't even amped up at that point. Right. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, you think I should get some water? And they're like, yeah, I think it'd be a good idea because like all the places around here, Walmart, like they're just selling out of that. You're just holding a thing of Zima and you're like, should I get some water? I had a chicken tender stuff in my hand. I like, <laughs> maybe I should go back. <laughs> this is how you prepared. But I was just like, no, eh, whatever. I'll you know yeah. think about it tomorrow because it was set to hit on um, Wednesday or Thursday. And, um, it didn't hit until Friday. It didn't hit until Friday, no. Yeah. Um, and I was like, whatever, I'll come back. And it wasn't until that next morning when I woke up and I, I see like, Morgan, like, just kind of, like, in a frenzy over She's yeah. like, oh, my God, there's a storm coming, there's a storm coming. I'm like, it's okay. She's like, I've never been through a hurricane. I'm like, you know, I didn't think about that because she spent a lot of time, in, like, in Hawaii. And, you know, they have tsunamis there, which is, like, a, a whole different beast. But, like, to never go through a hurricane, I'm sure it is, like, yeah. a different experience. Yeah, that's kind of – and I wasn't here for her, which yeah. was, like, the worst part because I didn't – I mean, we went through San, San Diego, and by the time I got to New York, I was like, what the fuck, a hurricane? What? what? And, I, you know, I'm thinking in my head, like, yeah, hey, it's probably, like, the last few. You know, just kind of yeah. comes on by, blows our skirts up, and walks Yeah, away. they really haven't been anything. No, you know, we haven't had a good one <laughs> since uh, Wilma, which mm-hmm. knocked out power for two weeks. I remember that. We uh, had two weeks off of school. Yeah, we had two weeks at, off of school. Power was gone for a while. Uh, a lot of finger banging, a lot of hanging out with fucking miscreants. I remember drugs, that. Yeah, a was, lot of drinking, a lot of smoking happened. There. It, was, it was a really <laughs> fun time. I remember, right. like, me and my group of friends, we, like, owned the streets um, and, you know, the worst that happened to, like, our town yeah. in Sunrise is that we just, like, lost power, and there was, like, a lot of, like, flooding. But Right. We had a few trees knocked over. That's yeah. it. It wasn't bad. It was really, like, I, I remember that, like, pretty succinctly. That was a very formative time. Yeah. <laughs> it was so weird. But this one, we weren't really sure what was going to happen. No. And it, it laid to way more devastation than we really had anticipated. It did, actually, uh, because it did a few things that were unexpected. One, it came from the southwest uh, am I doing it? No, it came from the southeast, actually, mm. when we traditionally storms come in from, like, the Gulf. The Gulf, yeah. Um, and it looked like it was going to do a fucking, basically, buzzsaw across the uh, east coast of the state. And they're afraid that it was going to go more inland. Mm. And they're also afraid that it was going to fucking just do a complete Bakugan and come, come, back, sir, yeah. come right back around and hit us again, like, the following week. Uh, it... it it touched the the coast absolutely. There's some flooding and damage in those areas, especially in the coastal towns, like Jacksonville and St. Augustine. Mm-hmm. And uh, it did ramp up a little bit to a Category Four, and then it slowed down just a little bit, which uh, you know, which is a thankful thing because people were just like, "Shit, it's just getting powerful, <laughs> like more powerful." I remember because I was following it, like I was in you know my hotel room, fucking checking weather.com left and right, and like, "What the fuck is going mm-hmm. on?" And you know, she was freaking out. I mean. She handled it. She's alive. She's good. She, yeah, she we, we went to the it. store that Tuesday and we were yeah. freaking out over things that we needed. It was like, do we have batteries? Do we have flashlights? Do we even have candles? And we had to kind of just like do right. like a restocking of like basic things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, I was texting you too. Like, you should probably fill up the bathtubs. You need to get some water. You yeah. need to uh, make sure all of our chargers are charged in yeah. case power goes out. Because I told her like, power is guaranteed to go out if that storm moves over you. Of course. Like, absolutely. Which... We, we lost like maybe 30 seconds of power at like 5 <laughs> in the morning. Yeah. Uh, so, too bad for us. Uh, if you did not know, Oh, kind viewers, we are recording out of Orlando, Florida. I felt I felt we should take a moment, as uh, proud Floridians that we are, mm-hmm. alligator wrestling, Disney loving. Um, what else do Floridians do? Bath salts smoking, uh, <laughs> Wawa citizens, enjoying. yeah, yeah. Wawa loving uh, folks. Uh, I do want to take a moment. There are some ways that you can help. Uh, the hurricane is gone, but it did leave some damage in its wake. It is. 
cause a lot of displacement. A lot of people are in shelters that can't go back to their homes for one reason or another, whether it be flood damage or uh, what have you, really, Mm. because hurricanes can cause all kinds of problems, uh, whether it be power shortages or flood damage. Uh, What you can do, my friends, I went to weather.com. They have a pretty helpful article. You just got to go weather.com slash Hurricane Matthew. They have a list of organizations that are helping with the relief after Hurricane Matthew, uh, such as the American Red Cross here uh, are helping out. You can go to redcross.org. You can make donations right there. Specifically, one interesting problem that they brought up was that a lot of blood drives were canceled in the southeast. Uh, more could be canceled because of the after effects of the storm. So it actually is more crucial than ever that you donate you some blood. Okay, So you can go to redcrossblood.org or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make an appointment. Other than that, specifically, Haiti took the brunt of the damage of the storm. Um it is like the worst tropical yeah. or Caribbean storm to hit in the last decade. I, I would wager to say that Haiti is no longer a country right now. Uh, they're in disarray. It is leveled, yeah. It's they they say in 80% of the areas that were most affected by the storm, uh, houses are either wrecked or completely destroyed. Mm. And it has displaced a, especially a lot of kids out there. Yeah. So you can actually go to UNICEF.com or I think it's UNICEF USA. Uh, let me double check there for you kids at home that are trying to be helpful and we're not very helpful for you. Uh, 90% of all proceeds go directly to children. It is a good cause. UNICEFUSA.org. Okay, so that's how you can help out. We're doing our part. Love you if you could support. People need it. They do. They really do. All right, Daniel. I'm going to get into some news here. We missed out on a lot of news. We did. <laughs> you know, there's some big some big things happened here yeah. and there. We got a, I got a few items I know you have maybe twice as many as I right. do. We're, we're going to catch up on last week. We're going to ignore the two weeks that, that occurred we already. We assume that you guys are informed right. and know that stuff on your own through other podcasts. Right, there's, there's a few things that occurred. I mean, there's going to be a new Power Rangers video game. Yeah, I saw that. It's like a beat-em-up. It's got a weird cartoony style. Mm. I prefer more of a sprite style, but, you know, to mm. each his own. At least we're getting a Power Rangers game. Um, God, there's something else, but I'm going to go ahead and forget that. But we're going to get... Oh, one thing that yeah, occurred let, over the weekend, my friends. Before we jump into, like, the segmented news. Of course, the news. segmented written news. Yes. We're going to do a little freeform here. Uh, so Rockstar is kicking up some sort of marketing campaign <laughs> for... Who knows when it is? Uh, it started on Sunday. They had a tweet where it's just a red backdrop with their logo in front of it. Immediately, people are like, it's fucking Red Dead! Like, I mean, yeah, duh. And then today, they had a more poignant image of a Wild West posse walking in front of a sunset, which, you know, yeah, it's a new Red Dead. Like, of course. Yeah, and I don't think they would go through this hubbub just to announce a remaster of Red Dead Redemption. Because that's what I was thinking it was. I, again, I would love that. I would still love for them to do that. But but you were talking to me about it um, the other day where you said they don't really do much in terms of marketing for their remasters. They'll just like maybe announce it one day and then the next day it'll be out. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, the biggest remaster they did was GTA V. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just the PS2 to PS4 transfers that they're adding trophies to and just like, eh, hey, it's 1080p, kind of. Okay. You know, like that. that's all they've been doing. They're not making a big hubbub about that. Um, and I think if I think they'd make a big deal about a little bit of a bigger deal about Red Dead Redemption Remastered, but not not to this extent where they're doing this mysterious marketing ploy. And I I, did, I read a tweet another company, I think it was Dave Oshi that works over at a fuck I forget the name of his company. I'm so sorry, dude. They do a game called Dusk. Uh, he basically said like, man, 
the kind of shit that Rockstar gets away with where they can just literally advertise a color and nothing else and everyone's going crazy is the kind of shit that I wish I could do. <laughs> I think Square Enix said something similar where they wish they could have done the same sort of like vague guerrilla marketing that they're right. doing with uh, Final Fantasy 15. But I mean, at the same time, it's like, you know, Rockstar, how many games do they release a year? That's true. Some years, zero. <laughs> you know, you got to keep, like, think of them in that regard. When did GTA V come out? Like 2012? <coughs> 2013. 2013? Okay. Yeah, yeah, and the remaster didn't come out until, like, what, 2014? Tail end of 2014? Yeah. Maybe, maybe 2015? I forget. So when you know they're working on something, you know it's going to be big, and it's going right. to turn some heads. And that's how they've kind of set themselves up. So it's definitely Red Dead. And uh, to reiterate for you folks out that they're uninformed, I'm not trying to uh, be, well, excuse me, you know, I actually pushed my gl- glasses up I there did. for a second. I did. Um, it is the third Red Dead game, if it is to be a Red Dead game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Red Dead Revolver. That was number uno. Don't forget about it. Capcom game that they canceled. Rockstar came in, finished it. It was actually pretty fucking good. It was an open world. That's why you guys don't remember it. But <laughs> it was good. Uh, you can actually get that on PS4 now because it's one of those PS2 yeah. to PS4 games. Oh. But we're going to jump into the actual news because they didn't confirm Red Dead. <laughs> Here, number one for you, Mr. Daniel. Microsoft has revealed that the Xbox One was September's best-selling console. Using numbers provided by NPD, which is the video game sales tracking Illuminati, don't trust them, the company reports that their eighth-generation console has been the top-selling home console for three consecutive months. The Big M also reported huge growth in the UK, as sales have seen a 1,000% increase since the launch of the Xbox One S. Which we surmise that they must have launched with a FIFA. What the f- How the fuck did they do? A thousand percent increase? That's insane. Yeah. Despite Sony having released a PS4 Slim, which is a revised version of their next-gen console, also priced at $299 or beginning at $299, sales may be throttled in anticipation for the more powerful PlayStation 4 Pro set for launch next month. Uh, maybe it's that. I don't know. Maybe. It seems like there is kind of a backlash against the PS4 Pro. I think so, too. I think... Microsoft is going to keep continuing Steam with this one. Um, I remember before the One S was announced, they were doing a lot of cool spring bundles where yeah. they, at GameStop in particular and retails, they would include the system, like a one terabyte system with like uh, free Xbox Gold, free games, uh, free controllers. So they were doing a lot to like you know add to the like sale value while mm-hmm. only charging like three hundred to four hundred bucks. And they're using the opportunity to take advantage of Sony's missteps at the moment, especially with that whole reveal with the PS4 Pro. People are kind of scratching their heads, like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah. Whereas their uh, uh, their wording for Xbox One S and even the Scorpio is pretty concise, pretty clear. Yeah. You know, and uh, it is your only way of using 4K Blu-ray playback. I, I think it is, mm-hmm. or actual the actual Blu-ray. Yeah, because we were saying that the PlayStation Pro isn't going to have that. New, it's not going to have that, which a lot of people what are like, what the stuff. fuck? Like, you could only do, like, streaming playback and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and also, Forza Horizon 3 topped the sales list in September. Apparently, it's a really good racing yeah. game. And a little more arcadey than normal Forza. Normal Forza, I just don't give a shit about. I, I, I Gran Turismo, Forza, I think there's another racing sim out there. I, I can't do it, man. I don't need the sim, <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I, I need that fucking high-octane drifting, man. Yes. I want to be Vin Diesel flipping around and shit. But. I think that and uh, maybe pre-orders for like the One S uh, and then for the Gears of War bundle that's coming out. I think that's probably driving sales. Which already came out, actually, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll see if they keep that momentum through the holiday. Uh, again, the PS4 Slim is out there. It is a similar price point. 
maybe Sony can save some face during the holiday. And actually, let's see what the PS4 Pro does. By, by comparison, I think I sell maybe one Slim for every five S's I see go out the door. It's really interesting. Like, yeah. what what's happening there right now? You know, people are just like, shit. Okay, I'm gonna do Xbox now because hmm. it, it, it seems like uh, they're doing a reverse of what happened last generation. Hmm which the 360 was completely dominant for about five years straight, and then the PS3 found some fucking footing through PlayStation Plus, through great exclusive games. Yeah. You know, I, I want to see, see PS4 keep their momentum, too, because, you know, that's kind of the system we're both trucking with exactly. this generation. For good reasons, too. But if that about-face happens, then I'll be like, all right, I'll give Xbox another, another look. But I, I won't shift. You can do that for me, and I'll watch what happens. I feel you. Um, but I will point out I'm really uncomfortable using the Xbox One S controller these days. I really like the DualShock 4. I'm sorry. I was playing Gears over the weekend. I'm like, fuck, I wish this was a PS4 controller. <laughs> I know a lot of people don't share that sentiment. They really, really enjoy the Xbox controller. It just feels so plasticky and so bulky for no reason. I, 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 don't, I don't know. Even like how they, it's smaller, too, than mm-hmm. the uh, 360 controller. I still have problems with it. I just getting blisters in weird parts of your hands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, we're going to move on here to, judging from pre-order data, Sony expects hundreds of thousands of PlayStation VR units have already sold. Some retailers, like GameStop, have already reported stock is sold out in certain areas. Speaking with CNBC, Sony Computer Entertainment Europe president, Jim Ryan, assures us a solid production schedule is in place. Quote, we know, that a, we know that the replenishment cycle is a good one. Production is going exactly as we anticipated. We have made decisions to further increase capacity at the back end of 2016 and into 2017. So there are going to be a lot of PlayStation VRs around the world. Is it enough to meet demand, however? Ryan says, we'll see. <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't... What? <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's been getting... Surprisingly good reviews. Like, I'm hearing some user feedback that's been pretty weird. Mm. Like, people are just kind of like, oh, man, there's like a mess of chords and the resolution sucks. But it's like... It's a murder of But chords. it seems like reviewers that get their hands on it, they're more excited at, like, the pe- potential PSVR... With the technology. ...than what the fuck it actually is, you know? Because this is, like, the first time that console people have been introduced to this technology. PC people are like, yeah, okay, yeah, cool, whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah. But... For, for it to be on your PS4, playing games that, you know, you know, you being the Batman and whatnot, it's mm-hmm. exciting for them. I just, I want this honeymoon stage to be over. And for, I think realistically, we're still in the, the Kinect days, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? That's the best way to put it, where we're getting a lot of shovelware bullshit because companies don't want to make that full plunge and be like, all right, we're going to dedicate two years to a VR game mm-hmm. rather than dedicate two years to an Assassin's Creed and then tack on a little VR mode yeah. just in case you have the headset. It's interesting. You have these big publishers like taking the chance too, but they're kind of doing it like at a half measure. You know? Half measures is what's going to happen for, for a little while now, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I think this is a make or break time, which is interesting. Like it needs those killer apps. It mm-hmm. does. But, again, publishers are scared because they're like, well, what's wrong with what's been working? We're going to keep on, uh, the majority of our games are going to come out for this, and maybe we'll throw some bones VR's way, you know? You don't have a lot of devs going, this is a full VR fucking experience. So, What are the pricing for those games like? They're not $60, are No, they? not a lot of them aren't. I think the Batman game is only like 20 or 30 bucks. Okay, that's what I thought, too. I mean, but then again, like you're, you're being given these little morsels where it's like the Batman game is like two to three hours, mm-hmm. which... Okay, cool. But then again, I am hearing you can only really do about two to three hours of VR before you're like, I need to put this the fuck yeah. down. 
So I hear it's a very mentally exhausting experience too. Yes, I've heard that too. Where it's like, man, I need a break. <laughs> I don't know. I I want to get more hands-on time with it. Uh, obviously, I I I just can't merit the four hundred dollar price point, and no, I can't no. merit the fact that a lot of games are using Move controllers as well. I'm just like, I don't have that laying around. No. I didn't buy in the Move when it came out for PS3. Neither of us did. No. So it's it's just it's a huge investment to get into something that has very shallow surfacey experiences. Mm-hmm. Nah, dude. I'll do what I did, like I said to you before, with the PS4. Where I'll wait maybe like a year or two and see what happens and mm-hmm. see how it develops and gets past its growing pains, and then maybe I'll try something else. But by then we'll have another system to worry about. Leads me into my next article. Yeah. Mm. Take this with a grain of salt and a side of bullshit, but more rumors have been swirling around regarding Nintendo's unseen and unrevealed NX. Games Bulletin UK reports that an individual connected to a large retailer has leaked system specs, pricing, and even marketing materials on Reddit. The system's base model is said to be priced at $299 with an option for a $399 bundle, and that the system will launch with a library of four games, including a new Mario title. Hmm. The phrasing, interact with your game on the go, was seen on a poster meant for storefronts, which lines up with rumors regarding the NX's handheld capabilities. Console features divulge include 1080p resolution with 60 frames per second gameplay, which I imagine varies per game, uh, the confirmed usage of cartridge-based uh, games, and 4K streaming, but only in relation to apps like Netflix, so no 4K hmm. games. The Reddit post states that stores should expect demo units sometime in February because we're getting a uh, tentative. Well, I say tentative. I don't. I don't think they're gonna make it. But March 2017 is supposed to be the release of this fucking unannounced console. Yeah, I don't you know, take it out with a grain of salt. Yeah, that one. I'm just like, I don't know. But you know, th- this information seems pretty on the level, and I feel like if it really is coming out in March, we should be hearing really solid details, even if they are leaks. Mm-hmm. You know, e- even if it's not from the uh, horse's mouth or whatever analog for Nintendo's version of a horse is. I, I, don't, I don't know. Is there... The Yoshi. The Yoshi. You're yeah, out of Yoshi's mouth. fucking reptilian <laughs> mouth <laughs> about what this NX is. Um, I'm actually kind of like, for the first time, I'm not being completely dismissive because it's like, all right, you have a new chance to impress me again because Wii U, right out of the gate, I was like, fuck this. I, I don't want to do that. No, Tablets, really. fuck that shit. You don't even have normal controllers to go with this shit? No. No, 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 no. I was excited by some of the games that came out with it, but you know, the yeah. hardware itself was just kind of not for me. Yeah, not to say it doesn't have good games, but if the hardware isn't good, then you're fucking dead in the water, my friend. I'm not going to go out of my way to buy your games for exactly. a piece of shit console that I'm not going to use that isn't being supported by third party, that has a controller I can't wrap my head around. <laughs> I'm like, it's a, it's a tablet, I get it. It feels like a Tonka toy. Yeah. I, I, I don't know where you're going with this. I hope they do a lot better. A lot better on the NX, and I think they know they have to do a lot better. Because um, they want to start competing again, I think. Yeah, I mean, I've said it before in the podcast. I think they should bow out of the hardware race. Mm-hmm. I think they should go completely software. I would love That'd to see smart. Zelda on my PS4. Fucking love it. And I think that would be a great... I think their stock would go up. Just like uh, when they announced Mario for iOS, mm-hmm. their fucking stock went up like 25% that night. Yeah, really, though. Like, if they said, by the way... We're going all software, and you know we'll keep we'll hang on to our 3ds. We'll hang on we'll hang on to the handheld market. Mm-hmm. I think that's a savvy move that we make right now. 
And for them to kind of like go back to the drawing board and be like, we need to stop trying over and over and seeing what sticks to the wall. We need to come up with a huge fucking game plan for our next console because mm-hmm. we want people to look at it and be like, shit, I really want that. <laughs> you know, but you, you still have the people who are called to by the Nintendo. Like it is like the casual gamers console. It is a big family system. So I feel like there will still be a market for it. It's not going to outsell like uh, maybe the PS4 or the Xbox One by any means or the newer consoles. But you know, it, I think it'll do well in its own Nintendo regard. Right. Yeah. The their name has a reputation with you know families, casual moms know Nintendo exactly. over like Xbox and PlayStation. Arguably, you know. Mm-hmm. Not my mom, because <laughs> my little brother is like PlayStation and everything. Um, he's a wise, wise little boy. He learned from you. <laughs> uh, apparently. Uh, and so one thing that kind of concerns me is like, okay, your market is mostly the casual market. It is moms in the holiday thinking like, well, I'd rather Jimmy not shoot up an entire platoon. I want him to play Mario this, this uh, holiday, <laughs> you know? So you really need to get, educate the audiences out there what the fuck the NX is. You know, we, we need to see something already. If it's coming out in March, you should have been hitting the ground already. Yeah. I, I think I read something about there maybe being like a Nintendo conference or show like this weekend. Yeah, like a like there's going to be an Direct? announcement. Yeah, Nintendo Direct, that's what it's called. That would be dope. We, um, we sh- we'll do an episode right after then and talk about that. Yeah. That'll be our fucking topic. Yeah, Otherwise, before I heard about that, I was like, I feel like we're not going to see anything until like December, like right around the holidays. Yeah. Right. Interesting. So, moving on from Nintendo and on to uh, serial killers. Fans of hockey mask killers and ill-fated camp counselors will have to postpone their trip to Crystal Lake until next year. Publisher Gun Media announced that their multiplayer slasher, Friday the 13th, the game, is being delayed to spring 2017 so that developer Ilphonic can include a single-player mode. Wes Keltner, Gun Media's head honcho, says, quote, The first thing people are going to read here." His delay. Well, imagine that there, Wes. Uh, but posits that the studio believes the positives overtake the negatives in this matter. Quote, it sucked that there's a delay, but the wait won't be too long, and it's going to offer more for fans in the long run. Okay, you know, you can't argue that. Yeah. <laughs> the final version of the Teenage Terror Sim will see the addition of AI bots, Tommy Jarvis as a playable character, and a new map based on the movie's Pakanak Lodge. You remember that place? I don't, I don't know. Friday the 13th was always kind of loose in my mind. Uh, if you are already pre-ordered, by the by, you get the additional content at no extra cost. Newcomers, however, will have to fork over 40 bucks digital or 60 bucks for a physical copy. Have you seen anything from this game? Nope. I have, a little bit. Um, it doesn't look better than Dead by Daylight, which is already out on PC. Okay. I want them to put that on console. It looks fucking cool. But the same idea. It's a, you know, it, it's one of you plays as a bad guy, the rest of you play as survivors trying to get away from said mm-hmm. bad guy. In Dead by Daylight, you, you essentially can be like I've caught. seen streams of it. It's yeah. cool. Yeah, you can be caught and like, you know, just kind of fucking hung Down up on a, a hook. hook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like your friends have to get you off the hook. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, this game, Friday the 13th, looks a lot like that, but obviously they have a license backing it up, so yeah. therefore it's going to garner a little bit more attention. Bigger um, budget. Just some of the shit that I was seeing was looking real rough. Mm-hmm. I was just like, ugh, that's not looking like a full-fledged game right there. And, I mean, for them to want to initially just do a straight multiplayer game, yeah, that maybe that's says a little bit about it. Yeah. About it. But I'd be interested to see how the single-player uh, plays out, um, whether you play as Jason or one of these survivors, if you will. Right. Or if for it's the, a rotating perspective, I don't know. 
Now, what's interesting in the wording, and I did read a tweet from the Mr. Wes Keltner saying uh, that the game would take longer for them to add a narrative mode to it. So is this single-player mode not going to have a story? He didn't say it's a story mode. Is it just single-player? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, it's the same as multiplayer, but by yourself. Because it said that they're adding AI bots in the wording here, so I'm just like, oh, shit, maybe it's not like it's a totally story. It's just an offline mode. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's kind of yeah. weird. Yeah. Kind of wanted a little bit of a story, maybe a few cutscenes. We'll see how that turns out. I, I'm not exactly fucking, you know, rushing the stores for it. Uh, if it was Michael Myers, oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I can't cash really, in hand. Can't think of licensed horror games like based off of movies that I've ever enjoyed, or if there are too many to begin with that have been like outspokenly great. Yeah, like what Alien Isolation. That's that, one that, of the that's, only ones I can think of. Yeah, that's really about it. If somebody well, that's more like sci-fi horror than it back is. Back in the day, the Thing game was pretty fucking cool. Okay, I never got my hands on that. Yeah, a lot of people didn't, but it was pretty fucking cool. I, I want them. That should be one of those that they throw into PS4 as well, so mm. people can get their hands on it. Be a cool thing to do this Halloween, yeah. Mm. Eh? But I always consider the Thing a Christmas movie because of all the snow. Yes, I watch it every Christmas. Uh, I got another. Speaking of horror, Daniel, in an interview with Yugatech. Resident Evil 7's producer, hang on, <laughs> I'm going to get this right. You got this, buddy. Uh, Masachika Kawada, he always makes fun of me because I always like mispronounce or very ephonically pronounce <laughs> Japanese In name. the most American way. You Hideo Kojima. <laughs> we should actually have Morgan, our, our resident Japanese Shuhei consultant. Yoshida. <laughs> like every time, yeah. She she helped out. So M- Mashika Kawada admitted that he would like to share the gruesome love and bring the beginning hour demo, currently a PlayStation exclusive, to other platforms. As is, his team is planning a third update to the demo that will allow players to experience other aspects of the game. There's no date for that patch, but Kawada promises it will at least release before the main game. Kawada-san also confirmed that RE7 would not feature online play. He explains, quote, Resident Evil 7 is not supporting any online modes, so for example, with Resident Evil 5, we focus on cooperative online play, which is well received. But the key concept of Resident Evil 7 is horror. So from the very beginning, we thought that playing alone will give the best horror experience. And of course, Kawada was also asked about the status of Resident Evil 2's remake. I know you're excited. Which he quickly deflected by pointing out that that game has an entirely different producer. (laughs) (laughs) Who is hard at work, he mentions. Uh, His quote says, All that we can say is we hope that we'd have information to share soon. Which, I I don't... Yeah. It it seems like they really want to focus on 7, talk about 7. And I don't think we're going to hear shit about RE2 until at least E3. Yeah, I think it's just going to happen. The shocking thing would be like if they just fucking slyly throw a demo for it on RE7's disc. That'd be interesting. I would fucking love that. But if you're saying if it's two different teams working on it, I doubt it. Yeah. That, that, that's something where I'm just like, no, that, that one's definitely down the line and I think they're they're definitely trying to like cook that one up right because yeah. they know there's so much riding on it. You know, it's one of the most coveted games in that series, and if not this, all of like, survival horror. Yeah, and for them to do this kind of like return to roots approach to it, uh, yeah. it's got a lot of people's attention. Absolutely. I mean, Part 7 looks like a return to roots. Uh, uh, in conjunction with this news, they announced that a uh, kind of item management is returning to the series, hmm. which was thrown out in 5 and 6, essentially. Yes. 5 had a little bit of it. 6 didn't give a fuck. 
Um, it is kind of a mix between what 4 had, where you play Tetris with like a grid, mm. but it is much smaller, more like the old inventory slots from the original games. And it looks like item boxes are back in the game. Mm. So inventory management is a core tenant of survival horror. They're bringing that shit back. Nice. Pretty excited about That's that. It. But there is something to be said of the action-based games in the series. People still seem to like them as much as people like to ride on their, their ass and say this is not Resident Evil. They're fun, in the least. They are, because Resident Evil's 4, 5, and 6 collectively sold 1.5 million copies. Shit. Which is actually pretty good for some pretty old games yeah. in some cases. Resident Evil 4 having come out in 2005. Uh, a good decade. <laughs> These are just the summer numbers from when they re-released? The summer numbers from the re-releases, yeah. So there is still a uh, kind of a demand for the action-based games in the series. Um, I think the smart play for Capcom to go is take the Revelations series and mm. make that, dump all your action ideas into that one. Okay. I think that's fine. Uh, Revelations 2, even though try to go back to a grittier style, it still had some pretty, like, you're still shooting things in the fucking face. You know, you're still, like, dodging and weaving and running around, and it still has, essentially, a mercenaries mode in it, which it doesn't look like RE7's going to have mercenaries. Can't see why it would. I know. It makes me sad, though, because it's such, like, a big I feel like it's going to have no frills at all. I mean, it, it's such a different gameplay style, you know? First-person, very uh, resource-heavy kind of game. Like, mm. I, I, I can see it having a speed-running mode, but definitely not, like, a horde mode of yeah. any kind. Uh, moving on. Mr. Daniel, just so you're okay with it. I'm fine. He's fine with it. Nearly 9,000 people tuned into Twitch earlier this week, which was last week at this point, sorry, to watch a live stream funeral commemorating 23-year-old Philip Klemenov. Known to his fans as Fizerp, the streamer's Twitch channel was used to air nearly the entire proceeding so that friends, family, and fans that could not attend the funeral were able to pay their respects online. Klemenov not only streamed, but was also a professional Call of Duty player, having been a part of the team H2K. He died last week in a severe car crash in Colorado. He had been streaming that very day. Um, so what I, I told you about this beforehand, and I'm very... Again, we want to say this is tragic. This, it's a terrible fucking thing. Yeah, and our thoughts and respects out to the family and friends. Obviously. Absolutely. Loss of life is never something that should be downplayed. Uh, it definitely sucks. I understand. He had a girlfriend, too. Like, it, wow. it, it hurts all around, yeah. for sure. Uh, that's not exactly what we want to comment on. Uh, I'm kind of glad that you had the same reaction I did, which is like, okay, that sucks. This dude died, obviously. but It's weird. It's weird. It makes me kind of uncomfortable. Streaming his funeral? Yeah. Like, that... It, Funerals are a private thing. They are. You know, that's very really between, affairs. you know, his family and, and his close friends. It, it, I don't think that's something that should be broadcasted. I'm sorry. And, like, I get that he is a streamer, but I don't necessarily think his career uh, perpetuates something like this. Right. I don't think for anybody. In the same way that, like, celebrities, like, you know, the, their families don't need to have fucking the Inquirer or whatever filming that shit. No. You know, that's a private affair. Loss of life is a heavy subject. It's a heavy thing for people to go through. People are going, they're grieving. And that's not something that should be fucking televised. Especially if it is being Twitch streamed. People have been less than kind in those chats. Absolutely. Like, from what I heard, I read this on the Kotaku uh, article that pointed out or made mention of it. 
Um, even the writer on Kotaku was just like, I only tuned in for like a little bit. I just felt so weird being like a part of it. Yeah. Like, but he said people were being pretty civil in the chat. But I feel the same way. I'm just, it's, just, it's just such a sign of the times, though. It's like this is not something that would have been fucking fathomable like a couple years back. You know, if I told you at the advent of Twitch, like, by the way, we're going to stream some funerals. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, I'd be like, that's not I a good idea. I would be like, that's not a good idea. Yeah. Like, well, what, what's next, man? I understand, like, streaming a wedding or, or streaming yeah. a creative thing. But, like, are we going to stream people's fucking births? Are we going to be up in there <laughs> while, while, like, life is starting? <laughs> like, how serious is this going to get? <laughs> like, it's weird. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, but I'm glad you had my reaction, which was like, ugh, why? I mean, even the few instances where I've heard of, like, televised funerals via celebrities or figureheads, like, I, I feel like those are even weird, too. Like, it doesn't matter the sort of spotlight you had in culture. It's just, like, you're still a person. So still should be just between right. you and your close loved ones. But I, that's just me. I don't know, you know? I don't I mean, know if there's something, like, the fans asked for. I don't know if it was in his, like, living will. I don't know if he had a will. Again, like, we don't know what yeah. led to this occurring. We don't know if it was members of his team or if his family was like, you know what? He, he fucking loves streaming in life. We're going to stream him in death. Hmm. Like, okay, that, 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 that's on you. That's up to yeah. you. Uh, personally, don't stream my fucking funeral, dude. Like, I'm going to let you know right now. Like, cool. I have your word. Yeah, you have my... D- please don't. Okay. That's not something you want to see. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to troll the shit out of you if that's Because, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be an open casket no matter how I go. Well, at least it'll be in 4K. And I plan on going out gruesome. Fuck. <laughs> let you know right now. So you better fucking <laughs> rain your shit. Rain your shit in. I will. All right? <laughs> gotcha. I already got the wheel drawn on. That's fine. <laughs> I added you to it. Moving on, Daniel. Lighter note. A dinosaur note. Ooh. A remake of the N64 dinosaur shooting classic. Turok 2, Seeds of Evil, is on its way, eventually. First released 16 years ago this very month, developer Night Dive Studios says certain legal hang-ups prevented them from sharing real-time progress. Quote, sometimes contractual obligations prevent the transparency we've enjoyed in some other titles, which is why updates have been mysteriously absent. Following the success of the original game's PC remake released last year, didn't hear a fucking thing about that, I'm pretty upset about that, uh, Night Dive is well aware of the fevered anticipation for the return of the Cerebral Boar, which we talked about on like the previous episode. I think it's one of the most talked about things about that game. Seriously. The studio promises development is well underway, and that, quote, we started development just shortly after the launch of the first Turok. But in giving the very best treatment the age shooter deserves, Night Dive will be taking its sweet time on the remake, opting to release it only when it's done. I respect that. As the studio said to PC Gamer, quote, Turok 2 is a bigger game. More enemies, more weapons, more locations, and most importantly, Turok 2 at multiplayer. Fair point, why it may be taking a while. Exactly. And they're entering this interesting um, gap where, like, that came out on the N64 where multiplayer was strictly, like, a couch co-op thing with friends in the same room. But now, yep. like, they have to bridge this gap into, like, the online, you know, multiplayer right. realm. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. Uh, I, I think I mentioned before that the game actually sold a million copies, which is really impressive for, like, an yeah. N64 shooter. N64 shooter. I don't know if they. I mean, they had a lot of those. I don't know if they ever did a port for PS One for Turok. I'm gonna look that up. I don't remember Turok. I remember that being like Nintendo, you know. But Part Two was so good. It was. Yeah, I I remember putting so much time into that. I was so stoked about it, and I think I put more time into the multiplayer than I did. Seriously, the actual. um, Seriously, I I never beat the game. Yeah. No. It. It did not come out for uh, PlayStation. 
It does say there's an Xbox One version? When the fuck did that happen? Oh, that's Night Dive. So it is going for uh, consoles, but only Xbox One. Mm. I see. Okay, I see what you're doing there, Night Dive. And Night Dive, you might remember, is the studio bringing us next year's remake of uh, System Shock. Hmm. Yeah. You know anything about System Shock? I know some things. That's okay. <laughs> I have approximate knowledge of System Shock. I have approximate knowledge of everything. Daniel, I want you to take it away, and I want you to spin my fucking head. Ooh, you're going to get sick. I VR sick. Oh, no. Drive sick. clubbing. <laughs> right, I'm going to drive club you into my segment of the news. Uh, not nearly as impressive, but still, got to talk about it, man. Number one, following in Kevin's footsteps here, <gasps> itemizing things. <laughs> Which, we've been given a note that it's not needed. I guess not. Other podcasts do it. I don't really care. It makes think. us feel good. I don't think it's a big make or break thing. Whatever. We lost three viewers <laughs> right of there. 16. There you go. Oceanhorn, Monsters of the Sea, has sold over 1 million units across all platforms and is coming to Nintendo. According to publishers FDG Entertainment, Oceanhorn, which has been out on PC and mobile devices for a few years, and more recently released in September for PS4 and Xbox One, has finally hit 1 million units. It has since been met with positive reviews and feedback across the board. While it has been rightfully called a Wind Waker clone, the consensus is that it is still well worth playing. The meteoric console success has warranted FDG to want to port the game to Android devices and hopefully to a Nintendo console. While FDG hasn't confirmed whether the port will come to the Wii U or the upcoming uh, Nintendo NX, FDG is seemingly excited to bring it to the Nintendo family. This must be even more exciting news for developer Corn Fox and Bros, as the ambitious action-adventure title had very modest beginnings for the iOS. Their upcoming sequel, Oceanhorn 2 Knights of the Lost Realm, is hot in the works now as well. It takes place in the same world, but in another timeline through the eyes of a different older boy who's trying to become a knight of Arcadia. Oceanhorn 2 will be built on a lot of the features that the fans of the first loved and will contain an even larger traversable world. Corn Fox and Bros is hyping it up, calling it their, quote, fulfillment of the JRPG dream. Corn Fox and Bros. Interesting name. Looking up at their very uh, light wiki page here. Mm-hmm. There, there's like two paragraphs on here, and it's Shit. basically it takes it spends no time mentioning the fact Legend of Zelda. We ripped off Legend of Zelda. <laughs> um, yeah, we we talked about this a little bit earlier. I know the uh, it was one of my like featured games back in uh, September. I think. Yes. Do we feature games on the show? I do here and there. Oh, okay. Well, let me know next time. We did that, and uh, what was the other one? Uh, Who hell. From Hell. God, what was it called? Oh fuck, the one with um. Bathrin. Bathrin. Slain, slain, back Agent from hell. of darkness. Yeah, slain back from hell. That was one that I wanted to highlight as well. Um, yeah, no, that one, uh, that one looked cool. Not as cool as the next game from those dudes that did that other game. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's like slayed or severed or it's something weird. It has an S. Sundered. Sundered. Yes. Sundered. That's what it's called. Sundered looks fucking looks rad. Amazing. It's all hand drawn art. It's a side scroll like that. In the vein of us talking about fucking these. I don't want to say underwhelming, but they don't get mass attention. No, they're more indie games. I want to play. I want to play Ocean Horns. Fifteen bucks. I do too. I sh- um, we should pick it up. Like we should make a fucking pack this weekend to pick it up. To pick it up. Yep. It looks cool. Um, I had been told originally that uh, when it came out, it was kind of like an underwhelming, boring experience where the first hour was like the next one and the next one after. Okay. But they added like a two to three hour expansion. They did a little bit more with it and made it more interesting experience. I do. I think it's going to touch the heights of like Wind Waker. No. Um, I think it's going to surpass it. (laughs) It's going to sail right past it. Oh! This guy! (laughs) I try. Throw a pun in every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. Throw some puns in me, man. So yeah, we'll we'll maybe commit to that pact. I don't know. 
I'm wishy-washy with my pack sometimes. Well, I'm going to play your copy of Rise of the Tomb Raider you probably are. for like the rest of the week. And I'm just going to watch you the entire yeah. time. Moving on. Mm, move me. The Overwatch Halloween Terror event has begun, Kevin. What began as an yeah. accidental leak last week to <laughs> Xbox Live Marketplace with Overwatch Halloween-themed loot boxes prematurely showing up for purchase, a few days later on October 11th, the event launched the joy of many and will go till November 1st. <laughs> the joy of like this summer's recent summer games theme, the Halloween Terror event will allow players to get all spooky and don characters in special themed skins, such as Mercy as a Witch, Reaper as Pumpkinhead, and Symmetra as a Vampiress. Amongst the handful of costumes are tons of unlockable sprays, icons, and Halloween-inspired voice lines. Uh, voice lines, that is. You'll want to hear Ghoulish Anna say, Are you scared? to an Undead Soldier 76, or even Genji say, My Halloween costume? Cyborg Ninja. You don't know what I Due to players' outcry of how the summer game boxes were handled, players don't have to leave what they get up to chance anymore, but can now purchase the exclusive items via increased currency rates. But the biggest inclusion, my guy, is the new brawl mode called Dr. Junkenstein's Revenge. It is a horde mode where you and three other players play as Anna, Hanzo, McCree, or Soldier and defend the castles of uh, Eichenwald against Junkenstein's exploding foot soldiers as well as the evil henchmen played by Roadhog, Reaper, and Mercy. I think it's a fun little mode for sure, and one that would be great to see Blizzard experiment with a little more down the line. Because who doesn't enjoy a horde mode in their first-person shooter? I enjoy horde mode even not in first-person shooters. Yeah. You're like second-person? Yeah. <laughs> in second, even fourth-person shooters. Uh, I enjoy horde modes in any game. Uh, They're great. They're pick, fun. Pikmin, a horde mode where you're fighting off those little suckers. Those like, little, little fucking, uh, what are they, bento beans? I don't know what they are. Um... Yeah, we actually got down on Overwatch. We got a we got a little action in there because I was excited that they actually had a PVE mode, mm-hmm. which is what I've been saying from the beginning they should have. Yeah, because I, you know, straight competitive. Like I can't do it for long. I can't. I just there's something about knowing that there there's another cocksucker on the other end of a broadband connection. It just pisses me off. <laughs> you know, I just, I just don't like <laughs> it. I don't like knowing that somebody else is out there fucking laughing at my deaths, <laughs> sir. It upsets and teabagging me. you. Teabagging you. <laughs> That's the fucking moment. worse. <laughs> it's the worst to see Reinhardt teabagging you. <laughs> fucking chivalrous knight dropping his clunkers on me. Fuck. Fucking asshole. But no, we, we tried out the uh, Dr. Junkenstein's Mad Revival, whatever you call it. Yeah. Uh, that it was, was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was cool. Uh, only like two of the characters are really enjoyable to use. Yeah, I think that was my biggest problem with it, where of all the 22 characters that they have, to choose yeah. those four, it seemed really weird. I mean, I get it. I I know they're trying to do, like, you know, an even... Like a teen comp for the horde mode, Mm -hmm. you know? Make it all class-based. But uh, McCree's fun to use. So is Soldier 76. Um, Wishy-washy with Hanzo. I'm not really good at Hanzo, Mm -hmm. so he's a little difficult, especially since when you have, like, fucking, like, ten zombie things coming at you. And then there's Ana, who is a... Joyless husk of an experience to get through. Which you're, I know you're a healing sniper. I've already had people like come at me going like, Oh, what are you talking about? You support and you heal, you're pivotal, I'm just like, shut the fuck up. All these things sound boring to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to shoot zombies in the face, and Anna is the least equipped to do that despite being a goddamn sniper. Exactly. I just I, I and she doesn't even do like increased damage as being a sniper. No. That's like the most discouraging part. Um, and I found, because I played as her as one of the guys, I think we played four rounds and we played as each of the characters, respectively. Yeah. Um, I forgot at times that I was a healer because I was so caught in the moment of trying to defend these gates. <laughs> right, because that gate blows up like nothing. Yeah. Like, they made it out of, like, tinsel wood or something. Or whatever those paper airplanes that you build out of the package come, come made out of. Is that tinsel wood? Yeah. Or you remember cleaners. those? You used to get those, right? They would <laughs> yeah. come in like a... Yeah, that was great. I love those. Bring me back. 
So, um, but yeah, I would like to see more modes like this. I would like to see like like this mode mm-hmm. or something like it become a mainstay in the game. Yeah, I don't want to see it just be like a weekly arcade brawl. Like I would like to see it be a new mode altogether. Yeah, like dude, like introduce new modes to this yeah. game. It's okay. We're not gonna get mad at you, Blizzard. <laughs> you know, drop that shit off. I haven't gotten mad at much that they've done with this game at all. Like I only encourage them to do more. You know? No, like as much as I uh, derail on the game, it is a well-executed, solid fucking experience, especially in comparison to other AAA games that are coming out. Mm-hmm. It, is, it has laser focus. It feels good. Mm-hmm. I understand why there's a following. Maybe that's some of that following just wants to see the characters sucking each other off. <laughs> Apparently, that's like 90% of the people who play yeah, the game. That's what I'm, I'm or, in that fraction. Or just motherfucking Tumblr shippers <laughs> going after this, I don't know, this this meta story yeah. that's not really there. But fine. You know, we, we have a tendency, millennials especially, have a tendency to make art our own. Yes. Even if we have no hand yeah. in it whatsoever besides our purchasing discretion. Um, which, you know, I, I don't get mad at people for that. That's cool. But, you know, when, when something disappoints them because it didn't go a certain way, shut the fuck up, man. You're in for a ride. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Don't act like it's a democracy creating art. Of course. Uh, but I think it's different for a game like Overwatch where you're supposed to project, yeah. you know, a lot more. Especially like fighting games have done this for years. Mm. Where it's like, this is my dude. Reuse my dude. You know, so... <laughs> Little sideline here. Sideline. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about this. Um, Maybe. This anti-Trump campaign that's going on. Yeah. Funded by Cards Against Humanity. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They're a political action committee. Uh, they're called the Nuisance Committee. And basically, right. um, they are shaming on Trump's like practices, his political and business practices. <laughs> he's handling like his um, his management team, essentially. And they basically reimagine him as a bad Overwatch player. Yeah. There was a billboard that went up. I don't know where it was, but it basically it says... Um, Donald Trump mains Hanzo and complains about team comp in chat. Fucking <laughs> 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 shit. <laughs> and like these drawings of him as these Overwatch characters, like he just looks super dumpy and he's just like fucking wearing like Hanzo's cloth. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so funny. I, I love that they did this because it's in response to uh, Palmer Lucky's group that he supported. Yeah. You know, they're like, we're going to use memes to support Trump. And it's just like, I love this. It's such a big fuck you to how <laughs> stupid of an idea that is. Except they did it in such a good way that it's actually great. I fucking love it. If you want to check it out a little more, um, yeah. there's a website. It's called www.donaldtrumpisnotateamplayer.com. There we go. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> They have some great art on there. Is like where, where it's Donald Trump as Hanzo and the fucking I like. I want to get that as like a tattoo almost. It's so good. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, moving on to my next bit here, yeah. Kevin. Yeah, but Sony may owe you or someone you know some money. Me? Yeah. I know this doesn't have to do with Hello Games No Man's Sky for once. Oh. According to PC Mag, if you purchase the original PS3 model, you know the original glossy to chunky one, you know. might be entitled to some cash due to a six-year running class action lawsuit. According to the site, quote, those who purchased the original launch PS3 console between November 1st, 2006 and April 1st, 2010 from an authorized U.S. retailer can now submit claims to receive a cash payment according to a settlement notice issued this week. The lawsuit involved a console firmware update that disabled the other OS function, ending support for Linux. Those who wanted to maintain the other OS feature uh, to continue running Linux on their console could opt to not upgrade to 3.21, but that would disable access to the PlayStation Network. Sony said it was a security-related move, quoting concerns of piracy and that it was a permissible under its terms of service. But Detractor said it was just an anti-piracy play. Sony was sued, and while California judged throughout the case in t- uh, 2011, it was revived on appeal in 2014. Sony and the plaintiffs finally reached a settlement earlier this year. The tech giant has agreed to pay PS3 users while maintaining that it didn't do anything wrong. 
end quote. Sony, of course, <laughs> like won't that. be handing the money over easily, and begrudged buyers will now have to jump through the company's hoops to get their uh, $55 back. You will need to attest under oath and submit proof of purchase via credit card statements, receipts, the serial number of the console, that console's PlayStation Network ID, and whether you actually use Linux. In the event that you use Linux, you'll have to prove purchase of the operating system, whether through screenshots or other documentations. If you aren't at a loss there, Sony is still offering a measly nine bucks to anyone who originally owned that version of the console and, quote, knew of the other OS, relied upon the other OS functionality, and intended to use it. You can also claim the nine bucks if you suffered injuries under the consequences of the 3.21 firmware update. If you think you're entitled to money, you'll have until December 7th to make your claim and provide proof. You can head over to the www.otherossentiment.com for more details about the lawsuit and claims. Were you affected by this? Um, no. No, I didn't think so. I, I had the big boy. Mm-hmm. I had the backwards compatible edition, actually. Yeah. But um, they patched out the the other OS features like almost fucking like in this first year, the yeah. second year. It was, it was gone like immediately where it's like, yeah, no, I never got around to it. I want to play my system like as is, yeah. <laughs> you know, with the firmware updates and whatnot. So obviously I didn't fucking, I didn't fuck around with that. Um, it's an interesting thing to have included on it, I think. What were people doing with it? I didn't, I, I never... I'm not sure, actually. Yeah, I never knew what people were doing with, like, the other OS, like, yeah. the open source part of it. I had no idea. I think maybe that's what they were kind of afraid of. Yeah. Like, oh, there is a lot of potential for them to maybe do wrong, maybe get into our networks, you know. I don't know what we're, And then, like, you know, to get these refunds, it, there's so many fucking steps, I would just be like... Listen, it didn't, it didn't affect me that much. Like, who, who is making the case out there? It definitely affected me. My fucking day was ruined. <laughs> fucking life. I depended. I can't make my console my own like I wanted to. I can't I can't sleep right. I, I can't. My children are always crying yeah. <laughs> since you patched out this feature. It, it's interesting to see Sony kind of pull the plug on that one in the way that they have done other things more recently, like um, the mm. mod support for, like, um, Skyrim and Fallout for, like, the PS4. Um, I don't know why they are, like taking away user agency like okay here let's hang this idea in front of you but also i think we're kind of scared of what you could do with it so we're going to take it back right like why offer it at all yeah you know like here's the apple but uh don't break the skin yeah don't. i don't know if it's something they're just trying to do to incentivize people to come to their way of gaming yeah but, like it just doesn't make it's sense. weird with that mod thing too you remember hearing what it actually was that the whole fucking hang-up was between bethesda and sony mm-hmm. was that they didn't want anybody to be able to use external assets yes. for the mods. And I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> that's like, 90% of mods... <laughs> are external. Are using, like, Unlicensed external textures thing. and yeah. shit like that. Like, so you can only fuck with what's actually in the game as is. Yeah. And that fucking just... Oh, my I, God. I think for the PS4 version, we're not going to get, like, Thomas the Train, like, flying around. As a no! Game. I don't know. Like, I don't know what their problems are. Do they feel like people are going to make Guardians of the Galaxy in the game and they're fucking like, shit, Marvel's going to sue us? Or, Maybe. Or are they afraid that they're going to have Maybe fucking of an entire skin of people wearing, like, Xbox One logos <laughs> running around Skyrim fucking what? as the, the Dovahkin taking down fucking uh, Wii U-shaped dragons? <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what do they think is going to happen? <laughs> well, I guess the answer is, we don't know what could happen. That's yeah. why we won't let it happen. They don't want it to be this lawless land. <laughs> fucking lawlessness. Fuck. Uh, that's all I got for uh, news. We're going to just kind of... We're going to fucking just stream on some of these releases here that are coming up. Um, 
A little bit of Xbox news. Microsoft adds four more games to Xbox One backwards compatibility list. Uh, number one on that is Battle Stations Midway, which is an action air combat game that pilots you in a fighter pilot amidst the Pacific War. Uh, number two is the stylized beloved game uh, Dragon's Lair, uh, which people are really big on and that uses Kinect support. Uh, number three is Jurassic Park The Game, which I know Kevin loves because <laughs> he loves everything Jurassic Park. You're getting a drink right now, audience. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, he's pouring his good tea. It's non-alcoholic. <laughs> For once. And number four, Tour de France 2011, because it was the best one of this century. Yeah, I love that they added Jurassic Park on there. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like the worst Telltale game. Uh, Is it? Oh, yeah, man. That, that was like when they did an agreement with Universal to do Back to the Future in Jurassic Park, and both are like, oh, my God, my, my boner is ripping through these skinnies I'm wearing. Uh, Back to the Future was okay, I heard. Little... That was the first one I had ever heard about. Yeah, yeah, like they, they were still cutting their teeth essentially, on like what has become the modern Telltale yeah. formula. And then Jurassic Park just had a shitty fucking story. It didn't work half the time. It was such a disappointment. I'm so upset by that. I had it, too. I bought it, like, brand new. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Fucks <laughs> yeah. your spines. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, now we got the free uh, PSN and Xbox Gold games coming to you. I know we're, like, <laughs> halfway through the month. We've passed the Ides of March, as you would say. Or Ides of October, that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we passed March a little while ago. Wrong month altogether. A long nap you took there, guy. Uh, yeah, right. So you still have about... Uh, 14 days to pick these up if you are inclined to. Uh, for the PlayStation, we've got the 20th anniversary HD remaster, the first Resident Evil. It's a must-have for fans of this franchise and survival horror. Ya boy! Yeah. I'm going to pick it up because I didn't get it for the PS3, even though you so graciously bought it for me on my birthday. Yeah, I remember that. Still have the receipt. I don't know if I can return <laughs> it at this point. <laughs> no. Also Digital. Yeah, exactly. Uh, also come to us is uh, Transformers Devastation. It's all hack and all slash is Optimus Prime and the Autobots fight back against Megatron, <laughs> the Decepticons, and the Insecticons. Did you write that or did you copy that? I wrote that. You wrote that? That's good. I, I try to have fun with it. I like, I like My it. writing is kind of weak this week, but I just wanted to have some fun where I could. Obviously, because the redundancy of saying weak in the same sentence twice is... I mean, They're hominins, Kevin. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I don't care did you what you're humming. Yeah, I have it. I bought it before it was free. <laughs> oh, but I got it on sale for like 15 bucks. It was cool. Must My be super games. sour about it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. I, I played it. It was neat for a weekend. It's one of those weekend games, so it being free, perfect. But I still say the best game in the Transformer game. But, I mean, they're not connected remotely, but Fall of Cybertron is the best one. Mm, yeah, it's a, it apes on Gears of War, but it actually has a pretty serious fucking story. That I, I, I just kept on thinking during it, like, this is what the movies could have been, hmm. like very seriously. But at the same time, you need a like a human element in films. I understand why they shoehorn Shia LaBeouf and his stupid fucking exploits. Mm -hmm. But whatever, yeah, you'll have fun with it. You'll like yeah, it. for sure. I mean, I have them both downloaded. Uh, also, for PS3, we got Made Riders and From Dust, and for the Vita, we got Code Realized, Guardian of Rebirth, and Actual Sunlight, which. I wish I had a Vita for actual sunlight because that one sounds really cool. It does sound cool, actually. I read an article on like Kill Screen about it. Mm -hmm. Might have been Kill Screen. I might be plugging Kill Screen when they didn't write anything about it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, no, it, it's a cool game. It's, it's pretty autobiographical mm -hmm. uh, game about depression, guess, depression and the crushing defeat of real <laughs> life and just the want to do something more, mm -hmm. but the inability to do so, where you just mm -hmm. kind of get. Uh, strung along by your own routine like it is it is life's noose my life the game and you tighten it every day by continuing the same routine yeah it's fucking crazy that's yeah, cool i we should play it we should we should play it hand in hand
Like, as we do most games. We, do, we really do that. Hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, for Xbox Gold this month, we got Super Mega Baseball Extra Innings coming to the Xbox One. Uh, I Am Alive for the 360, which is a dystopian survival game from Ubisoft. and came out in like 2012, before The Last of Us kind of blew the fucking market with survival games. I almost forgot what the fuck it was yeah. until like I did play a demo back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, it It's best left... Unforgotten. Okay. Unforgotten? Forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> it's best less always remembered every day of <laughs> your life. No, yeah, you can pass that one up, guys. That's fine. And we also have The Escapist coming to Xbox One. Uh, this is a prison break simulator that allows players an insight into the day-to-day prison routine, from cleaning the halls to cleaning the yard to making plans to break loose with your orange jumpsuited pals. Between meals, chores, roll calls, and favors, you'll manage your way out. Whether you spend the time uh, reading to increase your skills, spend time crafting weapons like shifts, or make enough money through odd jobs to bribe the guards, you can craft your own unique prison break experience. Good times. Good times. <laughs> I, I know I, you seem kind of underwhelmed about it when I mentioned it before because you're just like, you don't like isometric games as much as you could? Not as they much as I do anymore. Definitely. No, not not really. I think you still respect the caliber of effort and work that goes into them, but they're just not for you. I'm glad you have more words than I do <laughs> about my own opinion. <laughs> I, I, I do. Because <laughs> it's true, because I would have been like, that's cool. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Coming out. I know they did some sort of weird licensing deal with The Walking Dead. They did like a version of The Escapist with... Hmm. Uh, Walking Dead characters. They did. I remember I, that. I, it, it didn't bolster my interest any more than normal Escapist, okay. but I hear fun. Somebody told me it's fun. It sounds like one of those games that you should just play on Vita. Okay. It yeah. is a Vita game, right? No, it's Xbox One. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Put it on Vita. <laughs> <laughs> and finally... You sure? I'm going to look that up. You read your thing. I'm yeah, look it up. And finally, uh, I know in our hefty uh, fall preview of the last episode, we covered a lot of the releases coming out through December, but I feel like if you missed it, we still have to kind of... Nobody listens to it. It's there. fine. Uh, this week, um, we got Batman Return to Arkham, which includes uh, Arkham City and Arkham Asylum coming to PS4, Xbox One, uh, comes out on the 18th. We have Battlefield One, which I know Kevin's not excited about, coming nope. for the PS4, Xbox One, and PC, mm-hmm. also on the 18th. We have uh, Rock Band R- Rivals, also on the 18th, which is kind of like an expansion of sorts. It's what they should have put on the disc yeah. when the game launched <laughs> last year yeah. to mediocre fucking reviews. It's a huge like career mode. <laughs> essentially like it's, it doesn't sound bad but I was just like dude th- th- this definitely should have been on the game yeah. like when it came out because Rock Band 4 as is like the disc at launch mm-hmm. it was exactly part 3 you didn't fucking do it th- in fact it was missing features yeah. didn't have online multiplayer what the I fuck yeah I don't know Harman- harmonics I don't know what the fuck they were doing they used to be on top of their game yeah. dude and you know I'm allowed to say this as I've said before I've spent um, a small fortune in DLC songs, yeah. in getting David Bowie discographies and Limp Biscuit songs. I spent three times more of your life on that game than I have Overwatch or Final Fantasy Thirteen. Absolutely, you put have. so much blood and blister into that game. Yeah, when we first moved in here, I was still pretty avid about those games. I would hear that fucking plastic clicking into the night. Oh yeah, I was I was <laughs> clicking myself all goddamn night trying to best my own score. Something tells me you're going to like take a bite at this one though. Just like be like, you know what? If I it costs money, no, actually. No, you won't. No, no, no. no I won't. You're done giving money to harmonics. Uh, I won't say that. Like if they come at me with like any Saddle Creek fucking songs, like if they come at me like by the way, we got Cursive, we have uh Happy Hollow mm. or or Domestica. You can download it for Rock Band. I'm like, uh, I'm there. Sorry, I'm there. You know, and that'll be a, a good weekend's work. But otherwise, yeah, I think I'm done. Okay. For your, uh, all you dad hearts out there, we got a <laughs> Sid Meier's Civilization <laughs> 6 coming to PA, uh, PC. 
uh, on the 21st, as well as the Lego Harry Potter collection. So you dads can be in your fucking, your man caves while your kids are in the basement playing Lego Harry Potter. It's a fun time. Bonding. (laughs) Dads of the world rejoice. (laughs) You don't have to listen to your kid anymore. You can play Civilization. Yeah, good on them. Good on them. And that is my wrap-up on news and releases. Kevin, you want to roll into our topic? I'm going to roll into our topic pretty hard. So I got to thinking about a very certain subject. I, I thought, uh, I started thinking about AAA games. Yeah, since we're in the heart of AAA season right now. Yeah, pretty much. And one of the catalysts for it was a, uh, I guess like a podcast, like an interview that uh, Amy Hennig did. Amy Hennig is known for, uh, she was a director on Uncharted 1, 2, and 3. Mm-hmm. She started the work on part four, and there was some sort of internal squabble where she ended up leaving. A lot of people ended up leaving. Um, and then, you know, as we know, Uncharted 4, the game uh, that came out today, is directed by Neil Druckmann mm-hmm. and his boy, Bruce Straley, who did The Last of Us. She had some interesting comments. Now, she didn't like just do a backflip out of gaming altogether. She actually got a job over at EA. She's working with Visceral Games mm-hmm. on a unannounced Star Wars project, which I'm super know, excited about. Yeah, he, he's he's super excited about it. I think they should be making Dead Space games, <laughs> motherfuckers. I don't know. The franchise is kind of tired right now. They have to kind of take a new approach to it if they want to do something. Fresh. Kind of tired right now. The last one came in like '08. But even looking back on it, like it was oh, sorry, like 2011. Looking back on it, even still, it was just kind of like it felt like it was kind of winded. Three stunk of, and this is going to lead into our conversation, mm-hmm. stunk of the publisher coming in like, cool, you got something here, so now we've noticed, yeah. now you're going to do what we say. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Exactly. By the way, Resident Evil 5 had a co-op. Why the fuck don't you? you know, like, that, like, it turned into this kind of, you know, I would love to know how many of the decisions behind Dead Space 3 were actually the publisher. Hmm. Um, so, I'm going to read some words from Amy, Amy Hennig about AAA games uh, to get you thinking. She basically comes down to that the game dev lifestyle is unwinnable. Wow. And in, in the end, she doesn't believe it's uh, really worth it. That something has got to give. So her exact quotes, she was interviewed by Idle Thumbs, by the way, which is a grade A, I believe, podcast that they did. Unless I'm wrong, they did an article. It's okay. Fact checking is not really a thing that we love to do here really. on the save room. <laughs> no, no. It was definitely like a podcast. Um so, I just doubt myself a lot. <laughs> no, doubt yourself less. <clears throat> so basically, she had this to say, quote, The whole time I was at Naughty Dog, ten and a half years, I probably, on average, I don't know if I ever worked less than 80 hours a week. Wow. I pretty much, yeah, I pretty much worked seven days a week, at least 12 hours a day, you know? And she started to say that crunch time, she was indicting crunch time as like the worst time, that it, it, it's fucking unhealthy for people. Uh, here, this one's a little more surfacey. Gama Sutra had some better quotes on here. She basically said, There are people who never go home and see their families. They have children who are growing up without seeing them. Uh, there were people who, you know, collapsed or had to go and check themselves in somewhere when one of these games were done or they got divorced. That's not okay. No. Any of that. None of this is worth that. It's an arm race that is unwinnable and is destroying people. And it got me to thinking. <clears throat> Her words got me to thinking about the nature of AAA games and especially our, I, I got to thinking, are we seeing kind of the adverse effects in the games that we're buying now? And I, I picked up two games very recently. Mm-hmm. Let me take a sip because I'm trying to score. Okay. Fill the dead air, bro. Come on. No, I'm going to let you sip. Mm. Sip that drink. Mm. 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 Mm.
Uh, Ooh, is it cool as it goes down? No, so cool. Seems so sated. Mm, delicious Arizona tea. Mm. That's my tea. What? <laughs> I just came up with a slogan for him right there. <laughs> they're not going to sponsor us. No, they're not. On your weak ass tea. No, they're not. Slogan. They're <laughs> like, oh, that's insanity. Let's get these guys like. <laughs> they actually sent us a cease and desist. <laughs> Can you stop having that child orgasming on the air while drinking our, our fucking product? Anyway, back to topic land. <laughs> So, the question that I want to ask, and two games in particular started making me think about this. Um, I picked up Mafia 3, I picked up Gears of War 4 at essentially the same time. Mm-hmm. I want to say Mafia 3, it has a fantastic story. It, it reminds me of like Boardwalk Empire and like Goodfellas, all rolled into one. Yeah. It, it's got a great fucking story, it's got great character work. Lincoln Clay is a very dynamic character, mm-hmm. especially what he's putting up with. He is in the uh, rural south of a kind of made-up version of New Orleans called mm-hmm. New Bordeaux. New Bordeaux, whatever the fuck. There's an X at the end of it, and you can't pronounce the X. I know that's what's going on. Um, and he was, not to get into certain spoilers, he comes back from Vietnam. He's a veteran. He has kind of a surrogate father, surrogate family, because uh, he grew up on the streets. And, of course, his surrogate father is into some, like, mafia dealings. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and he's kind of on the hook with another, uh, the Italian mob, essentially. And one thing leads to another, the intro of the game, very strong intro to the game. The first, like, I'd say five hours are fucking seminal. They're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, they get betrayed, and Lincoln is on a revenge quest, and he's actually trying to take down the entire Italian mob and even stretches into, like, the Dixie mob, which is, like, the redneck mob. Mm-hmm. He's taking down uh, Haitians in the area as well and systematically, like, fucking bringing them down a notch to gain power and give kind of power to his sub-bosses. That, that he, sounds cool. Yeah, it, it's cool in concept. Mm-hmm. When you get to the actual gameplay, it really just falls apart. It's yeah. not necessarily a bad game, but it's a very... It's kind of a lazy game. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do anything that you wouldn't find in, like, a PS2 open-world game. Like a game like The Getaway, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or, I guess, Mercenaries with less explosions. It's just... It's the same fucking repetitive tasks. Like, you're asked to, like... you got to take down these rackets to usurp control from, like, the capos in that area. And you literally have the same thing over and over. You have to do damage to whatever industry that they have there, whether it be racketeering, uh, uh, casinos, or, mm-hmm. or usually it's drug running or something like that. You go in there, you blow up some cars, you blow up some stock, da 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 that's it. It's the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. And more than that, more than its uh, repetitiveness, it's also... It has so many technical problems, like all over the place. The technical problems are just fucking glaring. Mm-hmm. From like, I'm I'm witnessing cars with their car doors fucking open, just driving by like that's no thing. I'm witnessing like this huge kind of like graphical flare where sometimes when I do an action, the whole screen goes fucking blinding green, or parts of textures go like blinding green out of nowhere for like a split second. Uh, collision is so bad in the game. You're often like found. Like, uh, you're supposed to interrogate, uh, interrogate mm-hmm. certain enemies in the game. And, like, he holds them down and puts a knife to their throat. And sometimes this fucking knife goes, like, right through their face. Fuck. Like, it, the knife is just waving their face. Yeah, like, please gonna... don't hurt me. And I'm like, I'm giving you a lobotomy right now. You're not going to get the questions. Like, this is, this is beyond. I'm like, I'm a specter of doom fucking putting my hands through your head. And it's like, there's so many glaring issues. And this is a AAA game. This game had hundreds of eyes. And hands working on it. It had huge, years. Huge budget. Tons of marketing. Right. And yet it feels rushed. And yet it feels like, man, this is really unfinished. Like, they just kind of kicked it out the door. Hmm. And then I'm playing Gears. Okay. Gears is of a different nature, where it's yes. a very 
technically impressive game. Not running into many graphical or technical issues at all. Mm. Um, it's just a very cookie-cutter sequel. Mm. It is nothing that you have not seen in that series before. There's no moment in that game where I'm just fucking absolutely astounded by Nothing it. feels like brand new or inventive in any way. Not at all. It's just like they're kind of playing it safe. Very safe. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that it changed hands to the Coalition, mm. uh, which is an internal studio at Microsoft. Uh, they bought up the rights Microsoft did for Gears from Epic Games, okay. and it is totally their brand now. And much like they did with Halo 4, they this is their first, like, all right, this is ours. It's not the original studio doing it anymore. Uh, we're trying to put a fresh face to Gears. So you have a new cast. You have J.D. Phoenix, the son of Marcus Phoenix. And you have uh, uh, Kate and, uh, what's his name? Oh, my God, Dell. And... They're kind of a guerrilla group. They're going up against the COG, which you were part of the uh, Gears, essentially, in the first uh, three games. Mm-hmm. Now they're the bad guys, hmm. essentially, because after the war, well, they took control. And now you're uh, this little guerrilla re- renegade group running around doing raids on them and such, and you're fighting against like their army of robots. Hmm. <laughs> you know, they have an army of robots. You're For like the first like two hours of the game, you're just fighting like machines. And it's just kind of like... This doesn't feel right. Like this yeah. doesn't feel very gearsy. And another big problem is that the main character is literally a carbon copy of Nathan Drake. Like he's making quips the entire time. He's making funny jokes. And this is a series where you're running around with chainsaw machine guns, yeah. where you're cutting reptile monsters that are like subterranean reptile monsters. That had a in previously half. dark tone. Very dark tone, and it just has this uneven tone because you even. Marcus, not the you know, spoilers, kids. Marcus comes back in the game, mm-hmm. and he's kind of with your crew for a little bit of it as well. Actually, spoilers, kids. He's in the game for the majority of it. Oh, shit. <laughs> you lose him, like, once. But he's in the game for the majority of the runtime. And he's there, and he's like this kind of a reminder of what Gears was before, because he's out there like, nice, let's do this. Mm-hmm. And then you have fucking JD just making, like, oh, that's gross. You know, just stupid jokes the entire time. And the entire time you just go, you're from gunfight to gunfight. That's exactly the same. Mm-hmm. It's nothing you wouldn't have seen in Gears of War Two, mm-hmm. which was the peak of the series in my mind. Okay, so it's just tons of rush gunfights, no memorable set pieces, if you will, nothing to kind of. No, and it it just ends on such a flat note too. Like okay. you you finally do get to like you know your goal, and I remember Morgan was like in the room watching with me, and I had played it over the weekend, and I thought like I still had some time before it was done. No, it ended right there. It, ended, it was like it was, it was like one cutscene. It was like there was a boss fight that I didn't really necessarily think was a huge, big, or even hard boss fight, mm. and then it fucking ended. And it kind of ended on a weird like, is this a cliffhanger? Well, the camera pan to this item, so it seems like that's important. And then credits, and I was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> like I get it, they're trying to set up a new trilogy or whatever, but yeah, god damn, was that, that an incomplete story? Really weak. Yeah, I was just like, damn, that was fucking weak, dude. I what? <laughs> I gave a like Gears of War with that sort of like franchise. I feel like it should have a strong climax. You should have a strong resolution. It should have at least basic storytelling elements in play. Right. And I mean, <laughs> it's sort of a self-contained story, but it's kind of a shallow story. Is the most surprising yeah. thing. And I, you know, again, I know this is a a bro op shooter. Mm-hmm. You know, but at the same time, there were these undertones to the original trilogy under Epic's reign that you know these anti-war sentiment. Uh, some deeper, more introspective moments between the characters about, like, why are we fighting? Why are we going through? Is this worth it? The the world that we're going to come out on the other side of this war, is it 
really worth fighting for? Is is this, you know? And sometimes they even address a little bit in part four. Um, I kind of miss <laughs> the old days, hmm. you know? Like there's something comforting about knowing, having this locust enemy there, but like it just, it drops the ball on that point very, okay. very quickly too. And so it got me thinking about AAA games. This is where AAA games are heading. I mean, we have all this marketing buzz fucking... Uh, slam behind Mafia 3 and Gears of War 4 especially, mm. and they're kind of these shallow experiences, you know? Like I said, Mafia is like a different side of the coin where yeah. story's fantastic, it's just very shallow gameplay, and then uh, the opposite problem for Gears of War. It's like, no, it's tight gameplay, it's just, there's nothing new there, and the story sucks. I think uh, one of the things that they were kind of marketing and pushing that was trying to bring people to it was like, okay, we're going to have a cool online experience, but we're going to have a horde mode. Right. And that shouldn't be your selling points for a game like that. No, it shouldn't. But I understand, you know, there's always been a following for uh, the online mode in that game and mm. whatnot. But it more so to the point, I'm just starting to think, is this a sustainable thing, AAA games? Especially since we're hearing from Amy that they're so vicious behind the scenes. Yeah. I, don't tell me there wasn't a crunch time for both of these games. I, there most definitely was. Yeah. And this is... We're having a period of time that are fucking breaking people mentally. People are losing weight. Yeah. You know, trying to ship this game. Going through and, divorces. And then it's like, you know, for us, especially as, you know, commentators on the industry, and especially for a consumers. lot of fans out there, as we're consumers, we only get to see the tail end yeah. of years of suffering. This product that we bitch about over little things, like, oh, right. that texture was bad, or, oh, where's my favorite recurring character? And it's like, you don't know the amount of effort that actually went into that. Or no effort. Or no effort, yeah. You know, sometimes we don't know what they just skimmed over because it's like, dude, we can't fucking focus on this because we need to get this out the door because the publisher it has the gun over our head saying, you need to make that fall release schedule. You need to get out before holiday. This game, Mafia 3, very obviously needed maybe another year mm -hmm. at best. Maybe another six months. It needed to come out next year just to be a little more refined. It needed... It need more design time, obviously, because mm -hmm. a lot of missions like shit, dude. Like where I'm doing the same goddamn thing the entire game. Like there should be some variety to this, mm. you know, especially for an open world game. That is what an open world game lives and breathes on is variety. Yeah, you can't give me a sandbox and only two things to do in it. That's right. a fair point. And you're doing a lot of things that are a lot. Uh, I was actually kind of um, recalling to Assassin's Creed Syndicate because mm -hmm. it was kind of the same thing. You're you're breaking up the Templars' hole yeah. over London through, you know, numerous side quests like uh, the, the child labor rings mm -hmm. or um, the horse races, the smuggling and all that. You mm -hmm. just, you break that stuff up and take and uh, supersede control. And it's the same idea in Mafia. So, you know, you can't say it's an original idea. <laughs> it's, no. it's there. But there was a variety to that because, you know, like, okay, Evie is a more suitable character for what's going on mm -hmm. in this part. Whereas Jacob. I should use Jacob for, for this kind of mm -hmm. mission. And it's like in Mafia, it's like, well, there's a bunch of sneaking and shit, but um, the AI is really, really stupid. Mm -hmm. And you, I literally, there's times where I can sit at a doorway. You have this feature where you can hold left and D-pad and whistle and draw over one of the mob dudes. And if there's like three of them sitting in a room, only one will come over. Hmm. I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, like, it would be more interesting if it's like all of them are like, what the fuck is that? It's like, shit, I should have been more tactical and only figured out a way to lure one of them. But the game is like, nah. Just send one of them. And then you can literally just stab them in the neck and nobody sees it happen, even if they're in direct fucking eyesight of it. They can see, like, oh, there goes Jimmy. Oh, yeah, Jimmy's getting stabbed in the neck there. You want to go over? Nah. Seems normal. <laughs> yeah, I'll go over now. <laughs> and then he comes over. Same thing. Stab his ass. And you just got, like, a chain of stabbing the same dude. And I'm just like, dude, this is not challenging or interesting. Mm -hmm. It's not very good design. 
Yeah. What just the f- feels procedural, if anything. And this for a game that probably had like millions of bucks uh, put up by the publisher. It yeah. had, I, I think it had at least two years of dev mm-hmm. uh, behind it. I'm just like, what the fuck happened? And one of the things that I can only think of is that maybe it's harder to make AAA games now. They're getting so expensive mm-hmm. and they need more time. They do. They need more time for especially a lot of the features that fans are coming to expect. Especially, I, for, say, I think our expectations are growing. Right, for like an open world game. You know, people are like, shit, we, we need to do GTA or better. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, no, man, focus on what you're good on. Like, I, everyone's trying to hit that checklist of like, all right, can you fucking parasail in the game? Oh, okay, great. Uh, can you fly a plane? Oh, fucking great. Okay, cool. Can you do a dirt bike? Cool. They're focusing on these things that don't serve their plot and don't serve their gameplay. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to be like the big boys. Well, look at the big boys. They don't release a GTA uh, every five years. They release no. GTA, not every fucking year. They don't get stuck in this two-year cycle. You know, it's a bad, it's a bad model to try to follow. You see companies like Activision doing things like this, yeah. Ubisoft doing things like this, um, and I, I know at the end of the day, they are running businesses. They have right. products they want to put out there. They want to get into our in our hands. They want us to have expectations that they can rely, we can rely on that every year, but. In a way, no, it is not becoming sustainable because it's like they're rushing to put these things out. They're putting a lot of too much effort into it, I should say, and the products are falling short in a lot of ways. Yes, yeah, we're getting the ripple effects. Yeah. Mafia Three is a perfect example. I'm just like, what the fuck happened here? It's a sloppy, it's a sloppy, yeah. underwhelming game, and yet it has such a great conceit behind mm-hmm. it. It's a great fucking story. The gameplay should back it up, and it's just like, well, it was either one or the other, given the two years that the publisher said mm-hmm. we had to fucking do this game. You know, and then Gears of War on the flip side, it's like well, same deal, different problems. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting to see what it comes down to is that yeah, the publisher has to worry about it being a business, and they're not, they're not caring so much about the creative side. Yeah. You know, they're not everybody gets the luxury of like Valve or Blizzard to be like, hey man, we have as much time in the fucking world. It's done yeah. when it's done. You know, I think at that point they're more over <coughs> on the Blizzard name or whatever have you and um players flocking to that than it being like okay we're gonna put out a game every year and you're gonna like it they're like no we're gonna build up anticipation we're gonna put time and quality into this and you're gonna love it even more for that right and that's not a model that that's universal that's not a business model publishers like Ubisoft, (laughs) like no dude we need to come out with like four games a year we need to come out with at least one major game a quarter is what they're saying and it's not sustainable sustainable to their teams because they're fucking getting broken over these games and therefore they're starting to ship broken games mm-hmm. and i don't know what's going to break first if it's going to be the audience that says you know what fuck this we're not going to fund this anymore or if it's going to be the actual people making the game because one thing that we pointed out before i think on a previous episode was that there's no union for game devs you know unlike yeah. most other entertainment industries like uh uh there's a writer's guild there's a director's guild you know, in film, in Hollywood, I, I think say. in gaming, the only thing we really have so far, and I might be wrong, is um, there's a voice actors guild. Yes. Um, and they kind of unionize. And... But that's still under, like, the actors guild kind yeah. of deal. That's still a, a holdover from a different industry altogether. There has been no standardized union. There is no protection for these people. There's no one coming in saying, you can't work a motherfucker for 20 hours a day yeah. for, like, the last month or month and a half before a game releases, you know? And I don't know. And of course, publishers don't want this to happen because otherwise it would have. You know, publishers are just like, no, that's going to hurt our bottom line. That's Mm going to hurt our ability to make it out before Black Friday. Mm -hmm. It's going to hurt our ability to make it out before Christmas, you know? And (laughs) I I just don't see... I don't see that working anymore, you know? I You hear about uh, gaming 
a lot of the times working in the gaming industry is some of the most fr- frustrating things to do. You hear about, you know, like Amy Hennig getting burnt the fuck out yeah. and saying like, this isn't worth it. Or take for instance, Irrational Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ken Levine just basically was like, fired most of the team or let go and was like, we're going to make smaller games from now on. Yeah. What incited that? The last game they made before that was Bioshock Infinite. It had a uh, tumultuous development cycle. Mm-hmm. A lot of shit was scrapped. It went through a lot of permutations and to what it finally came out as. What the fuck happened behind the scenes, you know? And like these are the stories that they don't necessarily publishers publishers I'd say don't want you to hear. Yeah. You know? I'm like, I want to hear these stories. I do too. I, I think it needs to be common knowledge. What's really going on behind the scenes, you know? Because it's obviously, I would say, with certainty, it has its different pratfalls. It's way easier to make like a film than it is to make a video game mm-hmm. because it's not as big of a minefield. Yeah, Hollywood is fucking rough. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But they have guilds, they have teams of people working on it, and they don't have to do it for fucking like... There's no crunch time for movies like that, you know? Or at least it's not as vicious. <laughs> you know, there's just post-production, there's reshooting and all that. How often have you heard about, all right, we're going to do some... Uh, rebuilding in a game you know like sometimes sometimes they're awarded that delay Mm -hmm. you know but I think that sometimes that's a publisher pulling their head out of their ass and going like yeah this game is in an embarrassing state we cannot we can't have our names on this we cannot distribute this game as is whereas other studios are like fuck it it's good enough yeah like one thing that was weird about uh, Mafia 3 was that they weren't uh, there was an embargo on it like they weren't giving out early codes for reviews and stuff like that yeah and, you know, there was another instance in the year, uh, they talked about this on Kind of Funny on the Gamecast, uh, that, you know, Doom did the same thing and it made people kind of nervous. They're like, why is there a fucking embargo? Are you trying to hide something? And no, it turned out it was like, they, just didn't, they just didn't give a fuck, apparently. They're yeah. like, no, 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 it's actually a really good game. And everyone thought, oh, okay, Mafia's maybe doing the same thing where it's like, it's, it's good. Maybe they just didn't, they don't give a fuck about what reviewers say. No, I think they knew. They knew what they had on their hands for sure, dude. <sighs> so... Yeah, what's going to break first, my dude? I think the teams, probably. The teams. And then it's going to have this triple effect where we're going to notice the decrease in quality of work. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily think it's going to push gamers away from gaming. It might just push us from one franchise to another, or you know, one studio from another. Right. Um, this is an easy one to cite because they put out a game every year, whether it's through um, Infinity Ward or through Treyarch. But like Call of Duty, I feel like it's such a fatigued AAA entity Right. That they rush to put out these games every year. They have to fucking, you know, get their game out before Black Friday and they have to push these sales. I don't I don't understand why it has to be a yearly thing, but it's what we've come to expect and I think they're trying to meet that expectation. Um, their shareholders, I'm sure that's a big play in it as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So there are all these things. But I felt very early on, I think like Black Ops was like the last really inspired one that I f- enjoyed in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah, same here. And even at that point, there were probably like... I don't even know, like maybe 10 Call of Duties before that. And I don't even know at that point how long they had been doing annual releases. Um, I don't know. I think we're kind of seeing the effects of poor quality. Even in that, because you played um, the beta for Call of Duty, right? Yeah, Infinite Warfare. And you were less than impressed by it. I'm less than impressed. I don't think there's anything really mechanically wrong with it. Mm-hmm. But I also, I just, they just didn't do anything to yeah. it. It plays exactly like Black Ops, which was a play off of uh, Advanced Warfare. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, you, you're literally just shoveling the same shit down my throat yearly. Like, you might as well just slap a fucking year at the end of these titles. Yeah. Just be like, it's, it's Call of Duty 2017. Is that acceptable, though? 
Is that acceptable for what they're trying to do? I think, honestly, Call of Duty, just stop, man. Like, don't stop making the games. Mm -hmm. Just stop what it is. Just be upfront. Be like, all you really give a shit about is the multiplayer, so we're not, you know, we're not throwing in a campaign. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're not stressing out our dev team to make a story, campaign, scripting, and all this shit, or holding up the process, because we know what you really want. You Mm -hmm. just want the multiplayer. I think we're going to see that down the line. Where they're going to try to go like League of Legends on it, where it's like, eh, we'll try to throw in some stories somewhere in there, mm-hmm. but there's no campaign anymore. There's going to be some backlash, but honestly, people, are people going to get that mad? I don't think they'll miss it. All you motherfuckers do is play the multiplayer. I mean, the stats show it. Yeah. I Look at the trophy list. Look at the, like, everyone you can see. Some motherfuckers don't even start out the campaign. No. <laughs> you know? I'm just like... I think Modern Warfare 3 was the last one that I bought, and... I maybe played one mission in the main campaign. Yeah, that all campaign I wanted was, was a, the multiplayer. So that's, whatever. That's what I flocked to that game for. Right. I'm like, just just admit what you are, <laughs> you know. Or it just makes me think. It's like, can you really take the hit to not do Call of Duty a year? Because it seems like that's Activision's tentpole. You know, there's not much. I know Activision does have other divisions going on yeah, right there, do. but that's their tentpole, man. You know, I I like that they have a destiny under their belt, mm-hmm. and I like that's one of those games where it's like, all right, we're gonna try to build on one title mm-hmm. instead of trying to do a Destiny two, three, four, five mm-hmm. every year. Um, other, instead, they're doing kind of like quarterly, or you know, every six months or so, they're doing expansions. Right, and I would love to see them maybe try to support a Call of Duty game that way, where it's like, this is the platform for Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. And we're going to try to build on this, you know? So everyone agrees, this is a gameplay we like. Cool. We're going to build on this for maybe two years. And then we're going to come out with a new Call of Duty after that. I think that might be a wiser thing because what I'm seeing is fatigue. What I'm seeing is I played a game, I played a beta that's almost exactly the last game I played before. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what the fuck happened, (laughs) you know? At least back in the day, there's some sort of distinction between Modern Warfare and Black Ops. You know, now there's no distinction between Infinite Warfare and Black Ops. Like, it really does feel exactly the same. I mean, I'm sure there's pros out there that can find minute differences. The minutia doesn't count for a lot of people, though. You know, I I play it, I'm like, this is vastly the same. And it's just so uninspired. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting to, I felt that way about Gears, where it's just like, how did you make almost the same game as 3? Right. (laughs) I'm like, how did you do that, dude? I I don't understand. Like, it's Gears of War 4, your new dev team. Mm -hmm. Fucking do something exciting with it again. Instead of treating it like your annual FIFA or Madden or NBA, it's just like, do you see right. a different But it's like, safer. It... It's safer. And it's cheaper. And you already yeah. have the blueprints. Somebody else did the work. Somebody mm-hmm. else broke their back at a different time in this industry. And they're like, well, just build on that. It's great. If it ain't broke, essentially. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make great games, man. No. It absolutely doesn't. I, I, I think putting the time and effort into a great idea and mm-hmm. just iterating on it is what makes a good game. I think so, too. For that one game. And then when you when it comes to a sequel, give it years. Give it be like, all right, mm-hmm. let's take a break, maybe one or two years, and then put some dev time into it. Mm-hmm. Generate some fucking excitement for it again, you know? Because we're not going to see decisions like that from um, developers like Naughty Dog. We won't see them, you know, putting out an Uncharted every year. No, not at all. I mean, and they, granted, <clears throat> you know, they've been incorporating multiplayer and people really want that, but that's not what those games are about. It's about narrative. It's about more of an experience um, that we get from other mediums mm-hmm. um, and they put more time in that so I don't think we'll ever see it from like smarter studios like that I just when it comes down to it what's happening is that publishers are putting more and more pressure they want their people to work longer and harder mm-hmm. and faster 
and we're starting to see uh, depreciation in the work. And it's fucking upsetting. I hate knowing that somebody out there is suffering because they believe that we're just this hungry, rabid base that doesn't give a shit. We only care about the end result. Yeah. And it's like, we're not the publishers, man. <laughs> you know? No, we I'm understand. Sure we're people too. I'm sure it's horribly demoralizing and I'm sure they feel very uninspired. And I feel like a lot of people, they want to succeed and they want to like go to other companies and work on projects that were more passionate for them. Right. Even if you pick up and play a game, it's like, this is a bad game. Mm-hmm. The people that made it didn't want to make a bad game. Mm-hmm. They did not. They either weren't given the resources, or they weren't given the support, or most importantly, they weren't given the time to bring you that good game. Mm-hmm. I think the people are at uh, Hangar 13, the dev at uh, Mafia 3, mm-hmm. they wanted to make a great game. And it even shows, especially in the story. They wanted to make a good, resonating game. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they were given enough time to do it. And I think that kind of thing needs to stop. I'm Honestly, we can wait. I don't... I personally don't give a shit about the holidays. I don't, I don't, I don't know. You know. If you can time it right, awesome. But... I, I feel like we've matured as an industry where we don't necessarily need it to be that kind of thing. We don't mm-hmm. need to... Re- I think publishers need to stop thinking, well, we need to rely on mom and dad's dollar mm-hmm. before Black Friday to push Battlefield 1. You know? I, I think we need to think quality is going to speak for itself no matter the time of year. Mm-hmm. No matter the time of year. That's true. But they're not thinking about that. They're thinking about the money. Absolutely. And these people who are making the money from it, they're not seeing the sort of work that goes into it, I don't think. I think they're just seeing the paychecks, selling away in their yachts, and being like, okay, see you next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, that kind of sucks. It's a shitty attitude. Um, the attitude is good enough as fuck it. Yeah. Pretty much, you know? So what if there's, you know, underwhelming features or this doesn't quite work? Patch it later. Make someone work around the clock to patch it mm-hmm. later. You got that initial buy. Yeah. You know? Even if it's a fucking mess. <laughs> I am one of those people that I don't need a Call of Duty every year. I don't need an annual Assassin's Creed. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't need a game that's going to be great one year and then the next year it's going to kind of be uninspired. It's going to be missing features for some reason. Right. It's going to feel like the gameplay mechanics and, and everything what took a step backwards for whatever reason. I don't understand when that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't need games like that. I just, like As a gamer, as a consumer, like... Video games aren't cheap, you know, no. 60 bucks. And the way you and I go through them, it's like we spend a lot of money on games. And I don't want to just throw my money at like a shallow experience right? or an expective experience. Exactly. I, I want more for my games. Yeah. And I, I hate that the machine as is built mm. is hurting the quality of these games. And, you know, this industry is still young, obviously. Mm-hmm. We don't even have guilds for the people that are making yeah. these games. So... I don't feel like it's too late mm-hmm. to try to break the regime. Mm-hmm. To break the regime and just really just have like a rethink of how we make games, what's fair, mm-hmm. and what's going to produce the best product possible. Mm-hmm. You know, because I feel like that time frame is what's killing people. The time frame to get it out yeah. in fucking time, to get it by an expected date, you know? And on the flip side, if, it's, if something's taking too long, you need the industry know, needs to know when to say no. Mm-hmm. And I think The Last Guardian was one of those problems where it's like you need to have, been, have the fucking guts to say this one's going to be on the back burner. Sorry. We, we know we announced it early. We're sorry, guys. Yeah. Simple as that. Or don't announce it at all. Don't get that fucking hype going. Well, I mean, we (laughs) talk about this all the time. We talk about the hype cycles. The hype cycles. Hype cycles. Hype cycles. cycles. And it's just this thing where, you know, you have your marketing, you have your sell dates, you have your pre-orders, you have the people mudding into it, and they have, like, this timeline for the the way they want to see it release. Then we have the trailers, and then we have the things where it's like, okay, we see a game, 
in a trailer, and then by the time we get it, it's different, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't understand why, like, these hype cycles have to be a thing. You don't need to, like, tantalize and tease me every step of the way. Uh, I don't know. Maybe take the rock star approach, you know? Right. Don't tell you until they have a good amount of it done. Yeah. I, I honestly think that needs to start happening, too. You know, obviously, we might hear some shit down the road. Like, by the way, there might be a new Red Dead. But, like, you know, just try mm-hmm. keep it under wraps. Don't yeah. get our expectations too much up because we're running into this problem where we're seeing these games in such a rough early state that they they make these different expectations that we're we're set up for our own disappointment mm-hmm. and your marketing people are doing that to us you know because they want to generate excitement they want to they want to steal a bit of that mind shit they want people tweeting about it and getting excited you know like pray to what the fuck happens <laughs> were you like that's the number one thing that we need to stop allowing to happen is a cg trailer mm-hmm. the moment that they announce game with a cg trailer no gameplay we should just be like fuck you we're better than that yeah like we're smarter than you that. know it's set up for disappointment don't show me that because you have nothing tangible to show me so don't don't give don't feed me a lie man mm-hmm. like every game should begin with here is a gameplay demonstration mm-hmm. of what you're gonna see boom <laughs> you know just like that and I, I, it's so appreciable to see studios start to do that. We're like, we don't want to show the game until we actually have mm-hmm. gameplay to show you. You know, I, I love that. I'm loving seeing that kind of become a trend. I like the way it used to be. Um, growing up, when I would play like Nintendo games, we wouldn't necessarily see trailers. We would just see screenshots. Like, right. Okay, this is something that's coming. And I like the less is more attitude there. I think that got me a little more excited half the time. Screenshots. Yeah. So I was well, like, oh, cool, that's rad. I, I need to know more about that, but I can't quite wrap my head around it because it's just a screenshot. And then there's the advent of bull shots. You're mm-hmm. familiar with bull shots? No, explain it all. This. Typically, if it's a multi-platform game, mm-hmm. they would show you screenshots of the game running on a very high-end PC. Okay. In most cases, it wouldn't even be the uh, specifications or requirements that would be in the final release of the game. Mm-hmm. They would just show you this fucking steroided version of it Shit. and they'd be like no no that's a console edition you're looking at I'm like no the fuck it isn't dude this is not 360 <laughs> this this is definitely not 360 yeah. 360 is not capable of what you're showing me and they would show you anyway bullshot that's what it is okay um so yeah I'm I'm, I'm worry about you know or weary about uh, screenshots as well okay you that's know? fair yeah, like I I need to see it in action and even even then, that can be manufactured, mm-hmm. as we've learned in the past, <laughs> that that can be totally manufactured from mm-hmm. the ground up, where they just give you a slice that works really well, and the rest mm-hmm. of the game isn't working very well. <laughs> but you know, that's what game development is, man. A lot of it's a mess before it's not, that's essentially. Um, but I think there is a there's a right time, a sweet spot to show people that game, mm-hmm. and it's pretty late in its cycle of development, yeah. honestly. And I think we... I know people a, want to blow their load early and right. just show something. We as a fan base, fan base need to just be up front. Two concessions either have to happen. One, stop showing us shit too early. Mm-hmm. Or two, we need to stop getting excited about stuff early. Mm-hmm. And since I don't think that's very gonna what's going to happen because we're a very passionate community mm-hmm. being gamers, I think the former needs to happen. Where it's like, we're not going to show you this shit until it's 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 looking like it's uh, close to a good bake. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's it's, I think it's acceptable, but I think from a marketing perspective, you're like that doesn't drive pre-orders. That doesn't drive excitement. Pre-orders fucking bullshit. I mean, it's a whole other. That's our PSA right there. <laughs> no, 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 no. That that our PSA is that pre-orders are bullshit. That game is not going to run out. The industry has matured way beyond that. Unless we're talking about a niche fucking like Galgun or uh, I don't know, may, maybe uh, collector's edition of Persona Five. <laughs> it's not going to run out. 
pre-orders are just a way for the industry to gauge what they think might sell. Okay. It, it's all bullshit. It doesn't serve as a consumer whatsoever. It doesn't. Hmm. Well, let me say something here. Yeah. Um, we're talking about AAA games. Yeah. And I think we define them as uh, the amount of people on the team, the budget, um, the marketing. Mostly process. it's the budget. It, yeah. th- there are a lot of factors that make AAA games, and we're talking about whether or not those are sustainable on a yearly cycle. And granted, I don't think they are necessarily. But do you find that maybe the gaming industry as a whole might not be sustainable or healthy? Because we have... As it is with art, art takes a lot of time, whether it's music, mm-hmm. whether it's writing, you know, a lot of power goes into that and, and energy. Um, we see smaller teams, like indie games, running right. into the same problems. Granted, you have lesser people, you have less of a budget, um, you might have a little more time to put a game out, but you also see them probably putting in about as much work and burning themselves out. Do you think that's okay? That for smaller teams to take on the bulk of what, a bigger game or a smaller game? Or? No, just a smaller, just talking about indie games in general. Like, um, I don't know. The one-man team of, of Fez or, you know, the hardships of trying to game like, you know, Super Meat Boy or even like No Man's Sky, you know, having that mm-hmm. such a like small team. Five to 12 people working yeah. on a vastly ambitious game like that. Um, if Is that fair? I mean, that's really, you are the master of your own destiny at that mm-hmm. point. That, that, that's the whole point of the, the indie gaming scene mm-hmm. is that it's on your back. There's no big publisher. There's no big corporation telling you this is what is, mm-hmm. which is not the case a lot of times, like, you know, with Mafia 3, with 2K being their overlord, being their uh, paymaster, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, yeah, that, that's on your back. You make it as big as you want or as small as you want, mm-hmm. you know, and you do what you think you can do. Mm-hmm. I did, like, honestly, that's like the same as saying, like, is it unfair for a band to go after doing a concept album? You know, it's like, well, that's on you, buddy. <laughs> you know, if you don't want to write these fucking, mm-hmm. you know, floaty songs, cool. Go go ahead and try to make your concept album, dude. Sure. Uh, it's the same. That I, I think indie game development's on a different wavelength entirely. In fact, a lot of these AAA devs, like we said, Irrational, mm-hmm. they prefer making smaller games. Because mm-hmm. it's at their, more at their own pace. Exactly. It's more on their own pace, mm-hmm. and it's more on their own backs, and it's their creativity. Mm-hmm. There's no one telling them no. Or this doesn't read well, mm-hmm. or this won't appeal to this demographic. There's no one saying that. Of course, indie development, I think, is the most creative free form that you're going to get so. in this industry. And I think those kind of fall between the cracks of pipe cycles too, because you know there's very minimal marketing for games like that. Right, and that's that. That's exactly that's the whole point. Like mm-hmm. they don't get that marketing benefit. They don't get the benefits of what a being in bed with a publisher mm-hmm. uh, would have. Um, and, you know, and if they, if they still get the spotlight somehow, more power to them, mm. you know? But I understand, yeah, that's another pratfall of going after that. When you're in control of your own destiny, you are, you're in control of every part oh, yeah. of your destiny. And it's that's a, what makes it harder. Yeah, it's a lot more agonizing. There are a lot more hardships in other ways. Right. Um, I don't think AAA games are going to go away. I don't know? think so either. I think that something's going to break and something needs to change and i think we're going to we're gonna, at the end the consumer is going to suffer a lot of these growing pains like for instance you're going to see like i said studios start to rethink their triple a games we're like let's see if we can piecemeal this game mm-hmm. i think we're going to see that happen first okay. where they're going to like all right uh, we're going to make a campaign but it's separate you might you might see this is just a completely my imagination this is a hypothetical scenario where let's say call of duty they go Okay, well, cool. A lot of you just play the multiplayer, but enough of you are bitching if we take out the single player. So what you're going to see is, here's a bundle that has both for sixty bucks, mm-hmm. or here's the single player for forty bucks, mm-hmm. or 
Here's a multiplayer buy itself for 40 bucks. So separate, it's $80, friends. Cha-ching! Hmm. But if you want the full bundle, go ahead after that premium price of 60 or 70 what mm-hmm. have you. We might see that happen. That might be a very tangible possibility. Maybe. We might see that, and that might mitigate a lot of the frustrations in the AAA space. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like, okay, cool. Uh, we can focus on this, and we can do this, and let's just separate and not worry about what this team's doing or what that team's doing. And it's going to recoup that cost anyway yeah. because we make it cost more here in a different way. Maybe. I, Maybe. It's a convoluted future. <laughs> but I. that's not to say that there haven't, hasn't been instances of games being piecemeal. I mean, for instance, you can, you can uh, level that complaint against a lot of what EA does, which mm. is, okay, here's a game, pretty minimal content so far, mm. and yet you have this year-long DLC plan even before the game comes out. Mm-hmm. That's trying to mitigate how expensive these games become Mm -hmm. and try to keep your interest on it, try to keep mindshare for the game way past its launch date. Mm -hmm. Because they say the first three months are the most important for a AAA game Mm -hmm. because in those three months, that's like the trade-in time. True. (laughs) Like, if you get past that first month and people are still about your game, you're you're good, Mm -hmm. you know? Otherwise, oh. I mean, we get a more thoughtful and elongated process out of that. I don't necessarily think it's a cheaper experience. A cheaper experience as qualities? Yeah, because you're saying you're mitigating the cost. I think, it, like, no, it becomes a more expensive experience. Mitigating the cost on the dev side. Oh, on the cost. Okay, it's expensive gotcha. to make a game. Gotcha. It's expensive to make that $60 fucking game. Uh-huh. And it's especially to make an expensive-ass game and be stuck at an industry standard of mm-hmm. 60 bucks. Every publisher wants to charge you way more for a game than what you're paying exactly, right now. Yeah. And I don't disagree that they could or should. Mm-hmm. Because they're putting a lot of effort. Like, who's to say that there's a standard uh, standardization for the amount of effort that goes into the game versus, let's say, The Witcher 3 mm-hmm. versus Gears of War 4, which has, like, an eight-hour campaign. Mm-hmm. Witcher 3 costs the same, and yet I can get fucking 80 hours out of The Witcher 3. Mm-hmm. To On a dev side, personally, okay, let's say if I was making a game, I'd be like, well, that's not fucking fair. Yeah. <laughs> you know? We put, like, three, four years into this fucking mm-hmm. game, and these guys just shit this goddamn cookie-cutter cookie cutter clone mm-hmm. of Gears of War 3 out <laughs> in, okay. like, two years. What the fuck? And so the clever way to go about it is to do DLC and have DLC regimes yeah. to make these big bloated experiences. You know, Star Wars was endemic to that, too, where it's yeah. like, all right, here's, some, here's your hook. And then here's the sinker, line, fish, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's smart, it is, but I don't know if it's necessarily uh, the most advantageous to consumers. No, because not everybody buys DLC. Not mm. even, everybody bites for season passes. It takes a really special gamer experience for me to want to buy a season pass. Right. I think of all the games that I bought in the past six years in this sort of DLC culture, if you want to call it, I don't know what, what do you want to refer to it as, but I have maybe only bought like four, you know? Mm-hmm. Four season passes, that is. Because um, for me, it's like it takes an experience that is great to begin with and that I need more of, in a way. Mm. Um, I'm not going to just buy it just to buy it. Just because you gave me like a shallow experience to begin with and you want to keep like extending the process and you know putting more price tags on things, like I don't, I don't bite for that, you know? Right. That, that's one of their clever ways <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to make back that cost. I mean, everything is a price grab for these um, publishers, that's for sure. Um, we talk about um, Infinite Warfare. And yep. the Modern Warfare remastering and how they haven't done them separately and that they don't intend to, as we know of yet. As we know of yet. I, I think they will down the line, but they definitely won't do it until Infinite Warfare's mm-hmm. out. And their ploy was that you can get the game 
and you can download Modern Warfare when you get the deluxe edition disc mm-hmm. or digital download. The $80 version. Let's say, the, we'll talk about the disc version, though. You get the disc version, you still need to plug in that disc, despite the fact that it is a digital download mm-hmm. for Modern Warfare. That's a big fuck you right there. Holy shit. It should have been a separate disc. Should Yeah, should have been a separate disc, but nope. Nope, 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 nope. Because they don't want you trading in Infinite Warfare. No. <laughs> they don't want... They want to make that money right up front. It's just like a slimy move. Yeah. And I don't know why we let companies like Activision get away with it. I, I'm i really on the fence about letting them get away with it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like... like After I played that beta and was so unimpressed, I was just like, dude, I don't even know if I want to get any of this game. Like, seriously. I was just like, that's that's a fucked up move. I don't like that. And I have no interest in Infinite Warfare. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you know? I'm lost on enthused. I watched it. I was like, what's going on here? It doesn't even look good. It doesn't. It's whatever. Yeah. It, it's the same as Black Ops 3. Black Ops 3, I thought was pretty good. Mm-hmm. But I was like, that's pushing my threshold for like, okay, we did the jumping around Space Marine thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, let's move on. They haven't. <laughs> they did like one game too many. Yeah. I was like, shit. No, I don't want to do this. I don't know. I, I could come around. The story might be great. It might. You know, we got Kit Harrington. He might save it. He might save the entire franchise. <laughs> Snow is going to save us all. Franchise fatigue? I feel invigorated. <laughs> <laughs> Just so seeing, Sandra bring me back to life. Seeing his pixelated chest. <laughs> He's in space holding a machine gun. Oh my God. Shirtless. That's going to save the day for me. I think so. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's sustainable. That's, that's the... Uh, I guess my conclusion. Uh, I don't think it's either. Especially if you have like these teams getting burnt out and all these things happening behind the scenes. Um, right. We're hearing a lot of problems. I'm hearing a lot of shit like this, you know. The uh, tortured dev cycle for Bioshock Infinite. Uh, the same for uh, Uncharted 4. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't heard anything about behind the scenes Mafia 3, but mm-hmm. something the fuck happened. It's obvious because the end result is a painting that's nice to look at, mm-hmm. but it's on fire! <laughs> Oh my god! Do you think these people, though, on a level, um, become expendable? Um, we, you look at, I don't know, look at it like a day-to-day business. Yes. Look at a place like fucking, I don't know. Let's use Walmart as an example. You know, you have these employees that you hire to do, to do a job. Big business. Um, you can't do the job? Okay, we'll replace you. You can't work 40 hours a week? That's fine. We'll find somebody who can. Do you think they're doing that same approach with these big companies where it's like, okay, cool, we're the publishers, we need a game out. Oh, you need time off for your family? It's okay. Take as long as you need. We're just going to replace you. Hundred percent, hundred percent, because they have uh, generated this kind of mystique mm-hmm. to working in the game industry, where it's, um, for the most part, for some of the cooler jobs, mm-hmm. uh, or what quote unquote cooler jobs, it's harder to get those jobs. Like yeah. you know, people want to be a games writer, and they you know, I've, I've read articles where it's like that's like the hardest thing that you could fucking try to go after. Mm-hmm. Like try to be a fucking designer or a coder. There's, you know, there's plenty of jobs yeah. out there for you in this level, you know, but that's not the glamour jobs. No. You know, people want to produce a game. They want to pitch ideas for a big game and whatnot. Um, but I, I do agree. I think 100% there's this mystique surrounding the gaming industry where it's, well, you get the privilege of making video games for a living, dude. Yeah. Uh, what more do you want? Well, how about some benefits and some time off? Oh, no. No, you don't get no, that. No, 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 no. Bye. See you around. Uh, like, you think of unionizing? Yeah, we'll just fire you. Like, I um, I talked to a dude that worked over here in Orlando. Uh, they have EA Maitland. They work on some of the sports games out there. I can't identify which ones. I think maybe NCAA or Madden. NCAA doesn't exist anymore, does it? Uh, Madden. <laughs> and he said that he basically, like, 
working on a game is like having a contract. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like contract work. Like you're not technically an employee. Uh-huh. Like he said that we they basically you have to reapply for your job once the game's done. What? He's like, you don't have a job after that. They're How like, anxiety oh. inducing. Exactly. And they, they do that because, like, oh, well, they don't have to give, give us, like, raises and whatnot mm-hmm. if they can do that. And I'm like, that's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> that's entirely fucked up. So it's like, you have this team, and it's like only the big wigs, like the executives on that team, get to stay. Like, okay, yeah, we got job security, but every coder, you know, all you guys, all you fucking laymen, essentially, the blue collar guys working behind the game, you got to restart. It's like getting a brand new job again. If we like it, we'll call you first. We don't. Thanks for the memories. Exactly. I'm just like, holy shit, dude. I was like, you hear about these things, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Um, So yeah, like just exactly like you said, it's like, okay, well, you should be thankful to be here and uh, get the fuck out if you don't like anything that we're doing. And that kind of shit needs to stop, Mm. for sure, for sure. There's no reason that something like video games should be like the most heart rend, like rearing fucking experience, mind melting mental breakdown no, yeah, that at, at its core is just a leisurely experience right there's no reason that it should be that way um but it is and that's what's been produced that's what's that's the diamond that we uh, cut out of the rough and yeah it, the fact that a lot of these stories aren't shared more is why we're not you know changing anything mm-hmm. there's no big push to change the machine there should be simple as that I don't know that there's anything we can do on our end, obviously, but, you know. I would like to see, like you said, more stories come forward, more changes. I would like to right. see their, these creators, these writers, these programmers, I would like to see their rights become protected. Yes. And not to see them have to work these 40 to 80 hour work weeks. Like, that's horrendous to hear. Absolutely. Like, like that, 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 that's like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> that's, it's unfathomable. Like that, that, like, and the, the health problems that come along with that, too. They hear that people are getting divorces. You know, that, that people are missing out on being with their families. And it's like, well, what the fuck is the point of that? And just like Amy Hennig said, like, that, well, it's not worth it. Yeah. It's not. But it's not happening to these higher ups. They don't care about it. It's happening right. to these people. And we need to, like, put the, sh- the spotlight on them more and share their stories. Exactly. I, I would love to see more people come forward and say something. But again, there's a, a stigma in the industry where it's like, all right, if you share these stories, you're fucking out, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to get a job again. <laughs> you know, I, I hate I don't care shit. how good your resume is. I hate that shit. I want to hear these stories. I want people to come forward and be like, all right, this is what's happening in the mm-hmm. industry. This is what it's like to work at this studio. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to hear this shit more and more. I would like to see a big budget version of, like, Indie Game the movie. Because that was, like, one of the most fascinating behind-the-scenes mm-hmm. looks at game development and the processes and testing and all that that I had really no prior knowledge of. I was like, this is cool. That's on a micro level. I like to see it on a bigger level and how like many more moving parts were. But as as the gaming industry is, and a lot of it's marketing, unfortunately, mm-hmm. a lot of it's PR, a lot of it's just trying to show you the uh, glitz and glam, mm-hmm. trying to. It's all manufactured. Like one sure. thing that gets me that it's, it's kind of an offshoot of what we're talking about, but um, publications like Polygon and Kotaku, they are blacklisted from certain studios getting like you know. Uh, press releases or early copies of games because uh, some of these sites like Kotaku like broke the story on mm-hmm. like you know Assassin's Creed broke like Unity mm-hmm. like you know said like oh yeah this before it came out like here's the emails here's the shit that's happening mm-hmm. and you know it's like the publisher freaked out about it and we're like all right well fuck you we're not going to talk to you anymore yeah and it's just like well we're not beholden to your marketing strategy mm-hmm. we're 
journalist. Yeah. Don't you understand what that means? We're we're not like part of your hype machine. Sure, we'll promote and preview your game mm -hmm. to a certain de degree, but only because we're excited about it as gamers. Yeah. We're not beholden to your marketing schedule or plans. As journalists, their job is to break news. And that's my biggest problem with the industry as is, is that you have to eat a mile of horseshit before you get to hay. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, I, I hate that. I really do hate that about this industry. I don't want to talk to your fucking PR, dude. Mm -hmm. I want to talk to the guy making the game. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to talk to the devs. I want to get on the ground floor and hear their stories. I do not want to hear your fucking bullshit line repeated over and over again. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be swayed to the, uh, you know, your marketing website or your press release website where it's all, you know, this is going to be the best game ever. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. Be real, you know? But... There'd be a bunch of uh, biz dev majors out of uh, out of work <laughs> that weren't the case. <laughs> so, or not biz dev, we're, we're just marketing majors, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe out of the business. Well, Kevin, yeah, buddy. Got anything else to say on this piece here? Uh, I just wanted to point out that your hair is doing some weird things right now. It's What's uh, the top hair? It does the thing I, I it does, my hair does in humidity. We have very similar hair. Uh, it's kind of going up to the side there. It's doing a little. Yeah, look at that. Like two staring at it all day. <laughs> oh, <shit>. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good time. But I think that about wraps it up for this sundering episode. I think so. I think I, I like what we did here. I think it was a little more important than listing off, you know, games and a list of our favorites or most disappointings. Okay. I think it's a, a bit more of um, a telling story of what goes on behind the scenes, even though we don't know as much as we could, you know. It we got to pull the wool, you know? we got to bring this to I mean, sure, dude. You know, re review the play while you're still in the theater. God mm. damn. Right. <laughs> Jack yourself up. <laughs> Listen to <it> first. <laughs> no, I always enjoy our uh, podcast. Like I said, we need to keep our momentum. People, we're sorry we've been missing mm. in action for a little while. I know you've been waiting to hear the real shit the save room boys no, really. get up to. Mm. Uh, we will have this episode up, uh, what, Wednesday? That's the big Monday. Monday. Yeah, probably Wednesday. Monday. Probably Wednesday. Uh, I think we should try for Wednesday, basically, like every week. I would like to. You would like to? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's my fault. You're putting the pressure on me. See, here we are. So we're talking about pressure. We're talking about fucking about pressures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's crunch time. <laughs> it's crunch time. <laughs> Welcome to hell. <laughs> I will. Like, we do the writing and recording, and the fucking amount of editing I have to do on the show is just, like, abysmal. It's hilarious. Like, and then I just uh, fuck off and go, how was it? I'm like, I've been in my room for five hours listening to a fucking gag. How did I sound? <laughs> how are the levels? Well, I'm sorry. I appreciate your hard work, uh, and I appreciate the weird things that your hair does, <laughs> and I appreciate that you keep up with some of the, the release date news that I have no care or interest in talking about. Uh, <laughs> you do it. You and I appreciate your fervor and my fervor. everything you say. My fervor. What does my brow have to do with this? What? What are you talking about? Anyway, uh, on our next episode, episode number seven. Lucky number seven. Uh-huh. We are going to have some Halloween treats for you. Ooh. Oh, yes. We're going to talk about some horror games. Not horror games. Horror games. Horror games. Yes. We haven't locked it down, but we're going to... Something. Something Halloween. Yeah. Something, something to kind of incite yeah. you guys and get spooked. Right. Yeah. Something, something spooky Ooh. is what we're going to do. <laughs> but until next time, humble viewers, and we do appreciate your eyeballs and your ears. I don't know what you're looking at, but I appreciate just whatever senses you want to throw at us. Thank you for listening to The Save Room.